you're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hello, beautiful listeners. Can't thank you enough for joining me today. If this is your first time listening, I want to extend a special welcome to you. If this is your 80th time listening, you're just as welcomed, and I'm glad you're here. I wouldn't have a show without you folks, so thank you. You're in for a treat today. My guest is Harry Corsell. Harry is one of a kind, and you might think, well, I'll bet he says that about everybody, like if it's your first time listening. No, I I don't say that about everybody. In fact, I have never said that about a previous guest. So why is Harry one of a kind? I would tell you it has a lot to do with his breadth of experience. So he's lived in Boston. He moved to Boston from Columbia when he was eight years old. He's lived in Brooklyn, which when I asked him if he had one place to live for in if he had one place to live in America what would it be and he said Brooklyn so he loves Brooklyn he loves Houston he's been living in Houston I got a fortuitous bounce in that I was able to get him to record the day before moving to Miami Florida and speaking of fortuitous bounces Harry can not only sell software with the best of them that's how he and I met in the late 2000s but on the hardwoods, Harry's got a hook shot that's, that's tough to defend. When you think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, when you get up there with the hook and you kind of use that other arm to, to create some space for yourself, it's hard to defend. So Harry can do it on the hardwoods. He can do it in the boardroom if he's selling to IT execs. But Harry can also do it on stage so his side hustle is stand-up comedy and I think that is the coolest thing and the reason I think it's so cool is because you have to to pay attention in order to get material and I think about this way as it pertains to journaling so in order to have something to journal about You need to be aware. You have to have a high level of awareness and pay attention to your day so you have something to write about in your journal. All right, it's almost like seeing your life as a movie. Well, imagine if you got paid to make people laugh. You couldn't just stay inside all day. You'd have to have more experiences. And I have never met anyone in my life who more appreciates the little experiences in life than my guest today, Harry Corsell. And so that's something we talk about, is his gratitude for just being alive and the the little experiences that he has and overcoming fear of failure. So the guy has moved from Boston to Brooklyn to Houston and now to Miami. If he's he's got fear, it sure doesn't show. (laughs) But he's also, you know, I mentioned his athletic prowess on the hardwoods. He's also an intellectual type. So he could talk about Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth or The Hero's Journey. In fact, 
when somebody I respect recommends a book, I typically buy that book within an hour with one click, <laughs> right? Uh, you could do it at a red light. And that's what I did as I traveled back to our Airbnb in Houston. I bought The Power of Myth. And it's linked probably two or three times in the show notes if you want to buy it also. But that's the deal he did with um, Bill Moyers. Definitely, I'm, I'm only probably a third of the way through, but definitely, definitely worth a listen. Harry's a fan of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. No surprise there because he's a journaler, as am I. All of these things I'm mentioning make you a better conversationalist. And that's why Harry and I can do the dance. And that's knowing that he can do the dance. And I'm using the dance as a euphemism for conversation. That's why I wanted to get him on the podcast so badly. I knew he was smart and sharp and and would have a great memory and be a great storyteller because you cannot be a great salesperson or I wouldn't think a comedian, but I don't know as much about comedy, without being a great storyteller. And so Harry is that. He's a father of three. He's someone I like and respect a whole lot. He tells stories about meeting O.J. Simpson. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is something you need to hear. And so I'm going to cut my intro shorter than I usually, well, I want to promote his daughter's Instagram account real quick, Strings by PNF. I want you to check that out because I'm probably going to buy my daughter something when we get back to the States. And I just wanted to get that plug in there before I bring on one of the one of the great ones, a guy by the name of Harry Corsell. Please enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Harry Corsell, I am so glad to have you on the podcast, buddy. Dude, you have no idea. I have been looking forward to this since I saw you at the gym, and 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 it's it's going to be fun. I'm I'm looking so much forward to this, man. What were you doing at the gym, Harry? You're not a guy that that I thought would would be at the gym every day, but every day I saw you in there, you were not only in there, but you were sweating your balls off. You That's what sweating. I was doing. I was, I, was sweating, I was sweating real hard. So what were your first impressions of me, Brad? Well, I was thinking, this guy's trying to get a girl because nobody works out this hard <laughs> every day. And he's new to Houston. Yeah, yeah he's got a, a new lease on life. That's, yeah, that, those that's, are my thoughts. And that's, that, that's what Houston's been for me. It's been a new lease on life. I mean, both times. It took about a month, and suddenly... Harry is posting Facebook pics with a gal kissing his cheek. Yeah. And I'm and I start seeing her about every 3 days and I'm like, "Ah, damn, it worked. You just got to get in the gym and better yourself and just, they will it's, come." It, it's uh, you know, that betterment mindset. You know, I had this conversation. It's like, "What books are you reading? What what do you what, what podcasts are you listening to? What what are you doing to make your life better?" Right? And that's what Houston's been for me is Hustle it, Town. I've never seen anybody hustle down here the way that people hustle in Houston. Like, everybody's yeah. got to hustle. Yeah. Everybody's got to hustle, and it's amazing to watch. Yeah. So what have you gained these last couple years that you've been here? Yeah, that's a great question. I was in when I was in Boston because I went through a, a divorce and, you know, child custody and all that stuff. It wasn't until I got to Houston that I could get away from that environment and I could get help, right? Mm. So the first thing I did was, yeah, I went to the gym, and that was for my physical state, right? Then I found a really good therapist. I read a book years ago called The Body Keeps Score. 
The body keeps score. I've heard of it. Yeah. So it, it, one of the things it did, it talked about this therapy and it, it, it's, I call it voodoo therapy because what it is, it, 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 it balances your brain waves. And so what I did was I went in there and you process trauma differently. So, mm. so the trauma doesn't become a memory. I had bad PTSD, like everything would set me off when I was in Boston. So I found a therapist. We had these hand chakra things go through the memory, and the I could feel my mind, my brain alternating there. And so you'd start off, and the trauma would be like really high. You know? But people can't see you when you say there. You're pointing to a spot in your head where you felt a vibration. Yeah, or vibration. That's exactly it. It's EMDR therapy. EMDR therapy. Yeah, yeah, and it works. It it because you process. The memories. So you take the most traumatic event. So I was in 9-11. Like, I saw the second tower collapse. I was living in New York City. And that, every 9-11, I relived that memory. And I could still feel, like, I could, I could still smell the smells. Like, it was, it was like a burnt tire smell. There was ash coming down. And I was living in Brooklyn. I wasn't even in Manhattan. You know, I could still see the people's faces crying. So it was a very, I had PTSD from that. And so I went to this, this lady, and we did this therapy for about a year. And it got me to the point now, you know, where I'm like, okay, I'm healthy. You know, like I'm physically healthy. I'm mentally healthy. I'm in a good place. Like things don't affect me like they did before. Because I felt like... You, you, you're in a pinball machine when you're when you have PTSD, like you're reacting to everything. And in Houston, I could spend that time and just get healthy. And so you found a job here. Did you throw yourself into the job and the gym and just focus on personal growth? Well, I, I focused on personal growth. I mean, that was the biggest. The job was just the job. It, it, it's a high-tech job. I started off with the old company, Idera, and just realized, like, it wasn't a good fit for me. You know, it, was, it wasn't the company that you and I worked at. It was a good company, but, but, like, we had fun at the Red House. We did. You know, we all get to be friends. You know, we all yeah. kind of keep in touch with each other. Lifelong friends. Yeah, and seriously. Like, yeah. l- like, absolutely. You know, like, you know, like, I just spent last night with Chris Heffernan. One of the most fun nights of my life down here. Wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> but not want to do it again. But it was great. Like, it was really, really good to reconnect with people. Rodeo, I was with Steve Duncombe. You know, and it was, it was, he's doing fantastic. He's doing fantastic. You know? I meet Tom Adovasio for coffee every once in a while. He's a great guy. Great dude. I yeah. used to say, I've got, a, like, one of my best friends is my dad's age, and that's Tom Adovasio. That's, that's it. He's 70 years old. Yeah, and he's a Tommy Gun. I used to call him Tommy Gun. He's a great dude. He's a great guy, you know, and, but that was Idera. Yeah. You know, like, that was Idera, and we'd all go in there, and we'd do our top 250, and we, <laughs> you know, and it was miserable. It, it wasn't fun. Uh, and then Jim Legg would be calling every deal over $3,000 and all that, all that fun stuff, and phone times. But then at the end of the quarter... You'd be sitting by the fax machine. Remember the fax machine and the gong and the big gong? Yeah. And you get your big deals in and and, and you walked out with X amount of dollars and you're like, oh my God, this is great, you know? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it was fun because of the spiff payments. They give us a hundred dollars cash. Hundred dollars cash. The deals that we close. I, I haven't had those spiff payments ever. I know. <laughs> it was fun. Somebody bring back the red house, Jim, if you're listening. Jim, come bring it back. Sam, <laughs> I think you still owe me a couple hundred dollars. How great was Sam? I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Part of that house was fantastic. It was a great memory. It was like being in a, in a fraternity, but we were selling software. Even the CEO, CFO, we all liked. York, York, York liked Richards, yeah. yeah. He was a great guy. He was like an Aggie. He's like, ah, I don't know if we could do this, this deal. <laughs> this makes, and then all of a sudden the deal got done. <laughs> all of a sudden the deal got done, but it was, it was a great time. Like that's how, I came, that's how I came to Houston the first time. My buddy Chris got me a job down there. And the first time I moved down here, I was like, oh, I got to move to Houston. Like I did, I, I, the last place I ever would think I would ever live in was Houston, Texas. And I was mm. like, oh, what, you know, what, it's, it's going to be a cowboy culture and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and I got here, and I lived right at the lots at the ballpark, and, and I bought a house in the Heights, and it was just fun. Like it was just, it was, it was, it was way different than anything else I'd ever experienced. Now you probably didn't see a pair of cowboy boots or a hat ever, at all. Ever, <laughs> ever. Like the only time was a rodeo and right. I was like, you know, and it just kind of stuck with me. And so when I had the opportunity, you know, nine years later, I, I could have moved anywhere. And it was between Tampa because I had a couple friends in Tampa. I thought about Austin and I thought about Houston and I was talking with a friend of mine and, and they were like, well, you, you like, Houston, you know, like it's, 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 it's such a, it's in my DNA. Well, this apartment that you have is so awesome, dude. You're within walking distance of Minute Maid Park. Right. So you could go to any game. It's a loft style. I mean, bachelor pad. I, yeah. I couldn't be more impressed with the place. And you said it's what, like 13? Yeah. I, I, it's, I'm, I have a New York loft style apartment for $1,300, you know, nuts. And my neighbors, a couple of my neighbors down the hall are co- fellow comics. Like, we all, I can walk down to the secret group. I'm right where I want to be. Like, right, you know, f- and, and I chose to be here. Like, Brad, I chose to come back to Houston. You know, and it's been the best decision I ever made. So, you're into comedy? Yeah, I do stand up. How does that happen? Oh, God, I've been doing it forever. Like, I, literally, like, I was doing it. I've always kind of been a fish out of water, right? So... I was born in, in, in Bogota, Colombia, and I moved to Boston when I was eight years old. Okay, so you lived in Bogota yeah. probably during like the Medellin cartel years. If I did, I didn't know what, they, what was going on. Mm. I was innocent. Yeah. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but yeah, and I grew up in Boston, and then I moved to New York. I was selling tires for NTB, and I moved to New York. And I was, NTB was owned by Sears, and I was selling tires on Flatbush Ave and Sears. And I was the only white guy, and I was doing comedy at night. And I did not fit in at all. Like, I was miserable. You were bombing on stage? No, I was doing fine on stage. I mean, Uh, no, no, no. Like, at work, I was the only white person at Sears. mm. My coworkers wouldn't talk to me. They thought Mm. I was an undercover cop. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like, I wish I was making it up. Yeah. And I realized... I wasn't going to change the culture. I needed to change. So I went down and I started playing basketball with my coworkers. After that, everything changed. Like I was, I was part of the in crew. Like I was like, like, yeah, Harry, he's one of us. He's just lighter skinned. Like that literally, that's how I get introduced. So you can move the rock? Back in the day, I'm 52. I can't do I mean, anything. what kind of player are you? Are you a Stockton? Are you a Malone? I'm a passer. 
Okay. <laughs> I used to be able to shoot. Like from the post? Oh, yeah. Everywhere. From the post. Okay. A, a, a lot of hook shots. Uh, my, my, my friends in Boston think I'm dirty. Yes, I am. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, so you're a bit of a Rodman. I'm a way Rodman. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I have no outside. I used to be able to shoot. But, you know, it's, but that was that was a thing. That was a revelation. Like, I, I, I needed to adapt. I needed to change. Same thing when I got to Houston. Like, I was a fish yeah. out of water. Mm-hmm. You know, and I did. I was the Northeast guy. You know, and I'm like, okay. So I had to go in and, you know, I'd never had Cajun food before. I love Etouffee now. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, stuff like that. You know, I can't eat crawfish because I, I don't have the patience for the bugs. But everything else about Houston, I was like, okay, I love baseball. So I'd go to the Astros games. But the comedy, where, where, where does the comedy come So in? I started doing comedy. I had an internship at Warner Brothers in California. And I got back to Boston. And my friend Corwin Gaines was doing stand-up. And so I met him at a club one time, at a dance club, and he's like, you're funny, you could do stand-up. And I'd taken, you know, I went to Emerson College, I took a lot of writing classes, I took a lot of, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, speech classes, all that stuff, but I never did stand-up. So we, somehow he bamboozles my way into getting into the Comedy Connection, which is the hottest club on a Tuesday night. The place was packed, like packed. There were 500 people there. The MC was DJ Hazard, and he was just phenomenal. Like, we're still buddies to this day. One of the most funniest original guys brings me up on stage. I'd never done comedy in front of, like, live people before. My left leg was shaking. How, how long did you work on your material? I worked on that material for probably six weeks okay <laughs> you know my leg was shaking and i was getting laughs and it was like the mm, biggest rush. comedy is comedy is the biggest high oh god i can't imagine yeah it, it, it no because you're connecting with strangers yeah. and that's that's what helps me in sales because i can break that ice was it weird to wait for the laugh after it carries from the microphone to the 500 people in the room it was just i never i didn't know what to expect yeah so i I'm literally telling my jokes and I'm getting laughs and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like literally I'm like, Whoa, what? You know, they're laughing at the stuff I'm, I'm writing. You probably hit that flow state where you like w- weren't there anymore. I was driving a driverless car. There you go. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. that, that's what it was. I was just, it, 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 I was just like trying to get through it. And then everybody afterwards, they didn't know it was my first time. They're like, Oh my God, you're good. You're good. And then it was downhill from there. Just right downhill from there. Like everything else was just like, Downhill uh, meaning easy? Everything was No, easy. no, no. Just the opposite. Life was downhill from No, there. no, no. Comedy was downhill. Like, the rooms weren't as good. Oh, you know, okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like, that. I, I peaked. I peaked yeah. at my first. Yeah. You never you never <laughs> forget your first time. I, I mean, you know, I can still remember, you know, it, I was 24, 25 years old. I was supposed to play in a softball all-star game. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do this comedy thing. And, you know, as soon as my friends from my hometown of Natick, Massachusetts found out, like, they packed the place. Like, it was standing room only. Like, they packed the place. And it was in Faneuil Hall. Have you ever been to Boston? Yeah, but just to go to Fenway and that kind of thing. How'd you like Fenway? Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, It's my second favorite park. What's your favorite park? Wrigley. Yeah? You're a traditionalist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like I like Minute Maid because I can fit in the seats. (laughs) (laughs) I can fit in the seats. And I'm not, you know, I'm a big, I'm I'm six foot. and, And I hate, I like Fenway, but I hate Fenway. Yeah, I mean it's almost one in one A, and I yeah, only yeah, say yeah. Wrigley because I grew up watching WGN. We got yeah, it in Louisiana yeah. for some reason. Yeah, 
Otherwise, had I grown up watching the Red Sox, I'd probably say Fenway. So it's kind of a one and one A. Yeah, I, I, I like the newer parks. You know, I like the energy of the newer parks. Have you been to the one in Arlington? Not yet. Yeah, don't go. All right. <laughs> it's symmetrical. It's like a mall. It's, it's overly air-conditioned. I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's weird. It makes you feel like an excessive American walking out yeah. and seeing this other field that was just built like 25 years ago. Right. That's just sitting there doing nothing. Right, right. It just feels excessive and wasteful. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're in, you're in Texas, and everything's excessive and wasteful. <laughs> exactly you know, like, right. Like, you know, yeah, it's so Dallas. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. But that's 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 how I started comedy. And then I started doing more shows and more shows, and eventually I was getting paid. And then I had, um, at one point, I had a, a an audition. I didn't get it, and there was no way I was going to get it for Fred Flintstone. This was in 1998. And so I went down to New York, and I'm like, I'm just going to move down to New York. So I had a friend of mine who lived in New York, and I transferred, and I started selling tires, and I was a fish out of water, like literally fish out of water, didn't fit in, all that sort of stuff, started playing basketball, then I was eating jerk chicken, and then they found out I like rap, and then we started talking about <laughs> rap, and I, to this day, one of my best friends, Gangster Fred, um, <laughs> Gangster Fred. Uh, dude, this kid is a, a beast. Like, black guy he, or white guy? Black guy. You don't have a <laughs> nickname. I gave him the nickname, Gangster Fred, but he, he, he is, he is he, his brother... Um, Played football at URI. This kid is a beast. What is that? Rhode Island? University of Rhode Island. Okay. He's a Ram. Held the all-time rushing record at one point. Okay. He is a beast. Like when I tell you, like he's like six foot one, not an ounce of fat on him. He lifts he lifts like he's in jail. Yeah. Like lifts like he's in jail. We couldn't be more opposite. And to this day, like we're still like, yo, what's up? What's going on? What are you up to? You know, his kids, all that sort of stuff. And he's just like one of my best friends. It's almost like the media manipulates us to think that whites and blacks don't like each other. Ah, dude, I get along along better with black people. (laughs) I do more black comedy clubs down here than I do white comedy clubs. But, you know, it's like you find out like people are people. People are people. But his brother. Yeah, absolutely. His brother was a scout for the Patriots. And I remember remember going down to Rhode Island, and it was, you know, I'd moved back to Boston at that point, and. The Patriots had just beaten the Rams, and he lived in a – his brother, Franzi, lived – it was a dump. That's the only way I could describe it. You know, when you're a scout for, for any team, you start off at the bottom, right? Like, you start off breaking down tapes at 5 o'clock in the morning, Yeah. right? He was literally taking food out of the – locker room his refrigerator was stocked with Gatorade I mean he had a, a, a tiny little TV he lived in East Providence and he he drove a minivan that the Patriots kind of gave him and he was working these long hours and then he pulled out a Super Bowl ring and it was it was just amazing to hold you know they just the, the, the Patriots had just beaten the Rams, the year before. He'd just gotten the Super Bowl ring. He lived in this dump of an apartment, but that was his one prized possession. And so I kept up with Fred 20 years later. Every time he'd go to New England, I'd go to a game with him and and, and his brother Franzi. And so I got to meet a lot of the scouts, not just from the Patriots, but from other teams. And, you know, we'd go to these games... 
most of the time, I didn't have a ticket. I would just go in, and he had a swipe card. So he'd swipe me in, and we'd be right by the pro shop, and I'd see Belichick's office. And then we'd go up to the, the draft room. And so before the game, we're in the draft room, and Willie McGinnis would walk in. He'd be like, hey, boys, how you doing? What's going on? And after the game, we would go, we had these bracelets, and we'd go underneath the stadium, and the families would be there. So Vince Wilfork, his wife, Marky Mark was there. Mm. Doug Flutie's from my hometown. Marky Mark's pretty much my idol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Doug Flutie's from my hometown. And he sees me. I, don't, I know Doug. I've known him for years. And he sees me at the game. He's like, hey, Harry, what are you doing here? My buddy Fred was like, I told him. I go, I know Doug. His jaw just dropped. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've held, like, nine Super Bowl rings. You know, like, yeah, yeah I mean, it was, it, you know, but you never know. Like, he's, he's a guy from Brooklyn. You know, we just became friends because we both like basketball. Let me ask you this. How long have you been in sales? Too long, 20 years. What are the parallels between sales and dating, do you think? Well, I suck at both. <laughs> <laughs> I always pick the wrong ones. Uh, you know, I think you gotta, it, it, you know, you gotta have a funnel, right? You gotta, yes. you, you gotta have a half decent product. Pipeline. Pipeline. Uh, marketing has to be like we had the best marketing people at Idera. So Janet, mm-hmm. Janet Dayhall, if if you're listening to this, can you help me with my Tinder profile? <laughs> uh, Eleanor, you too, man. I, I need a good marketing babe to, to help me out because I have no. Those girls were good. Oh, Sales and marketing usually, but yeah, not at idea. No, I mean, that they were. See legit. that that's where I learned to really work with marketing. And so when I was at Oracle, people ask me, I have a Cleveland hat all the time. I did an event with the Indians. Like I got a box at the Indians, and I just invited customers. That was it was awesome, and it was just so much fun. Like the Progressive. Have you ever been there? No. It's a cool field. It's right in downtown. It's open, so you can kind of see the game. Cleveland's a, a dump, right? Mm. Let's not kid each other. It's not, it's not as glamorous as Houston. But it was a great place to watch a game. You know? mm. And I, I like Terry Francona. I think, I, he's, I, I think he's a great manager. He's an old-school, by-the-book manager. But, yeah, I think he's a great manager. And, and, and uh, it was just amazing. You know, like you could, you, it reminded me like a lot of Houston because you could get tickets cheap. Mm. Now I'm on YouTube. I'm watching Lofton highlights. I'm like, that guy was good. Yeah, he was. Kenny Lofton? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. He's a leadoff. Yeah, he was hitting home they don't, runs. They stealing don't make them like that anymore. No. That's, people don't want to steal 50 bags anymore. No, they don't. It's I mean, a lot they, of work. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Oh, no. Believe me, I used, to, I used to be a base stealer, and when you take off, you're taking off full speed, and when that guy swings at a pitch over his head or in the dirt – and fouls it off, and then you have to go back to first and take your lead again, and they, they throw to first to pick you off, and then you brush off, and then you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. take your lead again, and you're like, am I going to steal on this next pitch? All right. And so, then you do, and then they foul it off again, and you're like, golly, by the time I get to home plate, I'm going to be exhausted. Okay, parallels between sales and comedy. Sales is storytelling, and I feel – if I can make somebody laugh during a sales call, mm-hmm. I got them. Mm. I, got, I got a good shot at, at, at getting them. Especially the past, I don't know, two years, especially coming down here where I literally have been, you know, doing so many different rooms, playing black clubs, playing white clubs, you know, just all over the city. Um, I've gotten really comfortable again, like very comfortable. 
I can break the ice pretty well with 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 my uh, customers, right? And then with stand up, like you need to promote yourself, like you need to promote social media, right? There's a certain artistic, there's a certain artistic point, right? And then there's a certain business point, and you got to like the good comics will have both, right? Like Bill Burr promotes himself really well. He's just about to play Fenway. He's the first comic ever to, to play Fenway. That's the world we live in today. Right. Trump became president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be able to promote yourself. And right. I, I hate that because I, do, I grew up, it was beat into me to be humble. Do oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a tweet said about someone, a college kid today, like, this kid hit a home run. That kid that hit the home run is retweeting that. In my day, yeah. you would be labeled a narcissistic prick. Yeah. and, and, and Nowadays, if you don't retweet that, oh. like, hey, bro, you need to be retweeting that. You need to promote yourself. My, my, um, I ran a, a, a comic out of New York, and he was on America's Got Talent. His name is Usama. And, you know, like, so I'm having different conversations with comics now, especially in Houston if they're from New York. And so he was telling me, and this is the world we live in, in order to play certain colleges, you've got to have 40,000 Twitter followers. Like, you don't have to be funny. You just have to have 40,000 Twitter followers. And that, that changes incentives. That incentivizes people to only chase followers. And right. you, you can buy followers. Yeah. I know somebody who's on Instagram who told me they bought 40,000 Instagram followers. Give them my number. Because I need 40, no, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. I, 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 well, he says that he did it three years ago, three or four years ago, yeah, like yeah. before they would catch you doing it. Yeah, and, and, and it's, 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 you know, to get to, to, get to 10,000 followers, like my kids, they're on Instagram, they have their little string business on Instagram. They're always trying to get followers. It's all they're trying to do is just get followers. And I try to help them out as much as I can, but it doesn't convert into sales. But you're right. We're living in a world right now where it's just like, look at me, look at me, look at me. When I get bored, I, I, I scroll through my uh, Facebook videos, right? And you just see like the high school kid or, or, you know, hitting a home run, like you were saying. He hit one home run and now he's a viral sensation. He, he, his batting average is .056, mm-hmm. but he's got 90,000 followers. Unreal. Yeah. I hate it. Kevin Kelly said, all you need is a thousand true fans. And the reason he said that is because to make a living, if you have a thousand true fans and you sell a hundred dollar product, that's how you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's a good living. Right. Well, I'd rather have like fifty true fans. Yeah. Like, give me fifty guys who really appreciate what I put out, and that's all I want. That's what I need. Right. I don't. I put. I try. Sometimes I'll try to put content out, but I just don't. Like I'm. I'm. It's not that I don't want to. It's just like, it's a pain. It's a pain to go in and, and upload the video. It's a pain to sync everything up, and it's a pain to do this. And it's a, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a full-time job. Like, you have to it do is. it all the time. If, if you're not famous already, in order to gain, let's say, 40,000 Twitter followers, you have to be on Twitter nine hours a day. Right. That's your full-time job. Yeah, and there's a strategy to it. Like, you need to be commenting on popular people with blue checks like you need to be commenting yeah. on their posts and yeah. you need you need to do that regularly you need to post every two hours like you can't come up with three ideas and post them back to back to back you got to spread them out yeah. you, know, you yeah. always no, have to it's, be on it's, the app it's 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 it, at it, the it, expense of your the rest of your life it's algorithms yes right you know like you know some people say if I, I i post too much but like i'm having 
I'm having such a great experience in Houston, you know, just doing dumb stuff. Like I'm going to an art show. I'm doing this. I'm going to a, a baseball game. Just normal, everyday stuff. I'll think of a joke on the way from a, a comedy club. That's my audience now, right? Like that's my audience. I'll, I'll, I'll test the material out there. But you know what? There's some days where I'm just like, I don't, I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally, well, you know what those people do who don't have anything to say? Tell me. They go back three years in Twitter because there are all the advanced ways to search on Twitter. Yeah. And they find old tweets and just reword them. Yeah. And then yeah, share. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know, you do the same thing with material, right? You, oh, you, okay. find, you, you, yeah. you rewrite old jokes. You go back and you go, okay, you know, this, this was a, a Trump joke. I can redo this for this president, Obama, yeah. whatever. A lot of it's platitudes. A lot of those accounts just empty platitudes all day and they gain followers because people want to see that feel good stuff you know or people are bored yeah like like life life is boring <laughs> like, like, honestly like you get to a certain age brad i i i in in a lot of ways i'm like the most boring guy you'll ever meet what was it pascal said that man's biggest folly is his inability to sit sit quietly in a room by himself yeah yeah. That's what meditation apps. The hardest part of, 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 of starting a new city is the unknown, right? Because you, you've traveled, and there's, there's stuff that's going to go wrong when you travel. Like, that's, that's the ultimate guide to life is how do you handle that? Well, it's funny you're saying that because people talk most about leaving their comfort zone, and they talk about their fear of failure, and I got to be honest, like I can't relate to either one of those. Like I can help somebody overcome yeah. those things, but I'm always out of my comfort zone. I'm all, I never fear failure. Like I've, if I fail, I fail. I'm going to win or learn. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's that's I mean, Brad, I'm moving to Miami. Um, I I am the, the same la- way. I'm the last person I ever expected to have lived in Brooklyn, Houston, and now Miami. Like every single time, I'm like, "What am I doing? Like, what? Why am I going? What so, am I, what is bringing you to Miami? I, I got a new job. Okay, a software must, job. Right? It must, what is it paying? Like twenty five percent more? Ah, uh, who knows? Uh, you well, know, I, I would like to know because that's a big deal. You got a good place here. <laughs> I know, I know, Brad. Trust me, I know, I know. I every, but I'm every, not asking how much you make. I'm asking what would it take to get a guy like Harry living the life of Riley to move to Miami. It I doesn't, mean, Brad. It doesn't take much. All okay, okay, all okay. It, just, just, it really doesn't take much. It's okay. just, it, you know what? It, but your apartment there is going to cost what? A little bit more. You that's know. It? A lot more. Okay. Uh, but, but you know what? You know, uh, here, here's, here's where I see our similarities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have that conventional path. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like y- you were a heavy hitter in software, and then you just said, I'm going to travel. <laughs> somehow somehow you, you made it work, right? It, 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 and you can't, you can't plot that path. Yeah. Like you can't you can't go, okay, I'm gonna to go to business school, then I'm gonna Wharton, I'm gonna get my MBA, and you know I'm gonna be the, the I'm gonna be a general manager here, and then I'm gonna be a CRO, and then I'm gonna own my own company. Like that's that's doctors, traditional path, yeah. right? You know what they're getting into, right? Once they get out of medical school, it's a traditional path, right? Like I'm part artist, which is very non traditional, and then I'm part like gypsy in my own, the way I, I, I live my life, like, I don't, if you look at my stuff, like, I don't have a TV, 
I have one chair, two chairs, and a couch. Like, I'm a minimalist. The artistry, I think, is in reinventing yourself, which you are constantly doing when you show up at a new place. You're allowed to do that, which is a beautiful you have, thing. You have to change. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to change Texas. I'm not going to change Idera. I'm not going to change the company I'm at. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go to Brooklyn being the white guy and, and everybody's going to be like, yeah, we want to be like you. No, it's, it's just the opposite. Like, I have to learn to adapt. I have to learn to change. You know, I've had to learn how – I never had jerk chicken until I got to Brooklyn, right? I never had etouffee until I got here. Who knows what I'm going to find in, in Miami? And that's, that's the exciting part to me. It's not – the job is a job, right? That's, that's, it's just a means to an end. What excites me about Miami is, is the adventure. It's the unknown. Nah. It's because I always seem to get into something, you know, like I always find the art festival, like I'm always involved in something that I never expected. Well, do you feel like a weirdo? Because most people couldn't do that because that is leaving your comfort zone. And people talk about fear of failure. You don't have any of that. No, I, I do. And I don't down here because of COVID and because of whatever. The first club I got into was was Phil and Derek's. It's a black owned comedy club. And they were the first ones to pay me. Right. And then from there, I started meeting other comics. But there were times I'd be in Sunnyside. Right. I don't belong in Sunnyside at all. And I'm literally the only white person in Sunnyside. Mm. But funny's funny, you know, and and if I should. I've been around so many awkward situations in my life. I'm the fish out of water guy. Like that's, yeah. that's the way I see myself. Like I moved here from 78. Okay. I'm, the, I'm constantly going to be the fish out of water. You can adapt to pretty much any situation. Yeah. It probably makes you a great improv guy. It, that's where I thrive. Yeah. You know, that's, that, oh, yeah, it's, not my, that. it's not the written stuff. Yeah. It's when I go into the crowd and I'm just like, what do you do? And, they just, and I just start going off on them, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, 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 and people are just laughing, yeah. you know? And, but that's, or even on a sales call. Well, sales is so much storytelling. I don't know why it's not taught that way. It seems like every company you go to work for, the first day of training should be sales is reference selling. You're going to be telling the story of customers who have had success with our product. You need to be able to tell a good story. One of the best books I read this year was Sales Differentiators, right? And, and every sales call um, starts off the same. Hi, I'm Harry from, from Idera. We've got the best of breed SQL Server products. And the next company goes, oh, we've got the best of breed whatever. What this book ta- taught was what are your differentiators personally? What are your differentiators as a company? What are the differentiators as, as, as a product? Once you start breaking it down, like, you know, you came from Louisiana. You played college baseball. You've traveled overseas. That's a big differentiator. That's a huge differentiator. It is. It allows you to relate to more people. And yeah. what you're trying to do is find common ground as quickly as possible. And, and I'm sure in all your travels, like your, your perception of, of, of everything has changed. You know, oh, like yeah. if, if, I, if I were to talk to you at Idera, you know, you'd probably have a, a certain mindset. As you expand and you travel, and you, you know, you just got back from Mexico. You're just about to go to Prague or Colombia or wherever. I, I, you don't even know where you're going. I don't know where I'm going yet. <laughs> where, all right, guys, where should Brad go? Put it, post it in the comments, man. I think you should go to Boston, but I'm, I'm, I'm partial. You're biased. I'm biased, but, yo, seriously, 
How has that changed? How has that changed your view on the world? Well, people told me that my view on the world would change, but it changed in ways that they couldn't have predicted and I couldn't have predicted. Right. Where should I start? I mean, I have a thousand things that uh, uh, I notice now that I didn't pick, before. Pick what's, what's the one thing that's like, if you were to talk to idea or Brad, right? Right now. Be well, grateful. Life is brief. Be grateful. You don't realize how lucky you are to live in America. That's why I can embrace going to Miami. That's why I can come back to Houston and be like, I have a lost style apartment, right? I don't care about the, everything, everything I have can be taken away from me. And it has one way or another, your job, your, your health, your marriage. This is, this is nothing. This is nothing. I came here with nothing. I, 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 and I get it, but every single time I'm in Houston or wherever, like I've been to North Dakota, I've been to the States that nobody else goes to because I had a job that allowed me to travel. And I always found something about it that I was like, wow, I got to go to North Dakota for free. Mm. I got to go to South Dakota for free. I got to go to New York City or, or wherever, right? It's attitude. Yeah. I'm not staying at the, at, at the Ritz. I'm staying, usually it's a best Western. Yeah. But it's, it's the experience. It's yeah. the experience of being alive. You know, it's, it's, it's the hero's journey. It's like, oh, my God, like, I'm in North Dakota. What do people do here? Like, what's the hot spots? Like, wh- wh- you know, wh- uh, where can I eat that I've never eaten? Yeah, that gratitude is huge. I think, have you been through AA or any of those? I, I, of- I did. Al-Anon. I'm not familiar. It's, but- it's, it's, for, al- it's, it's for partners with, of, 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 of alcoholics. Okay, so from what I understand, even in those programs, they have people write down what they're grateful for every right, day. Right, right. It's, it's so huge. Well, I, it's I mean, so huge. Have, you ever, have you ever done The Artist's Way? Have you ever heard of the book The Artist's Way? Jules. Uh, yeah, Julie Cameron. Julia Cameron, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I still journal every single day. Good for you. I try I to journal. Too. I try. I try yeah, you try, day. right? But it forces you to be grateful, right? And you can tell, like, when I, when I, when I was mentioning the nine-year downward spiral in Boston— I was a miserable person. I didn't know I was a miserable person. I knew I needed to get better. And then I got to Houston. If you were to talk to Harry, who you met at the gym, to the guy that's sitting here now, I'm a whole different person. Mm. Like, the core of me is still the same, but my views on, on, on Houston are, like, it's a great city. Uh-huh. You know, New York was a great city for me. You know, it forced me to... To, to grow up. It forced me to learn. It forced me to get out of my comfort zone. You know, like I've done things like I would never do. Perspective, attitude, gratitude. Some yeah. people just need the tools. Right. But the problem is a lot of this stuff is so easy to do and it's easy not to do. And so they're not going to journal. They're not going to write down what they're grateful for. Right. And so they end up in a bad spot. But to be a quote unquote success in my mind it's very simple things. It's being grateful for what you have. Compare yourself to yourself, nobody else. I mean, a- absolutely. people need these tools, though. A- yeah, absolutely. The stuff we should be teaching in schools, probably, but they want us out in the world competing and raising the standard of living for everybody. Yeah. That's something else that you learn traveling the world is, well, what's different about America? Oh, the Protestant work ethic that has us 
Yeah. S- stressed out at 11:30 over an email from our boss when all we're really doing is getting money to make our $650 car payment that we don't need. Right, to right, drive. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've simplified, you know, I I drive a a, a crappy little Nissan Sentra that I love. Even now I'm like what can I get rid of? Like, <laughs> as I'm moving, I'm like, do I really need that? That that one of the best things I did was going down to Goodwill and just getting rid of that stuff. But knowing that somebody else needs it more than I do, I look at this oven. I'm I'm going to give it to Goodwill. This this convection oven. I'm going to give it to Goodwill, and it's going to get more use and better use from somebody here than than from me. My wife just went to Goodwill and bought two really cute outfits for my daughter and she wanted me to guess how much and i knew the number was going to be low so i said thirteen dollars eight dollars eight that's exactly eight dollars Every, everything's eight dollars in goodwill everything's uh, but you know what that's that's you know like when i was making money you know and 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 living in houston the first time it was like i would never go to goodwill like never it's a pride thing you know, yeah. I'm too good for Goodwill. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm going to go to Marshall's or wherever or, or Berghoff Goodman or Macy's or whatever. I had this thought at Tom Adovasio's house. I was sitting in his backyard with him and we were watching the boats go by. He lives on the canal. Yeah. He did at one time. Beautiful place on Clear. It's right near Clear Lake. Yeah. And I, he was telling me about all his neighbors, like this guy, they divorced last year. Yeah. This guy, he's, well, he got addicted and he's in AA now. And, and, and I'm like, these people aren't any happier in these million dollar houses. No. If they were, I'd be working right now. Like there's no doubt about it. If I thought that a $5 million house made me one ounce happier than I am today, I'm working toward that $5 million house. Most of the people that, I, that, that I've seen you know, with that lifestyle, and like I said, this is this is plenty for me, right? Like I don't need, yeah, that's I, I. This is plenty for me, you know, but you get trapped into that that mindset, like oh, if I just make two point three million dollars and I have a four million dollar house, I'm going to be happier. If my kids go to a Montessori program, you know, they're going to be happier. It's not that way at all. Like some of the best times I've had. I had nothing. I was I was selling tires, telling jokes. We'd get on a, a three or four of us, starving artists, and we just went out and, and and had fun. And we didn't have a we didn't have a dollar to our names. And and the more money you make, you know, the more money you make, the more pressure there is. The more pressure there is to keep up. And and that's part of um, what I like about moving is I don't have that pressure. More money, more problems. Yeah, big. And once they make it, they're like. Oh, remember those road trips, you know, when we were starving and yeah. we'd eat out of garbage cans? Yeah, <laughs> not no, literally. You know, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, and, and that's what I love about the comedy scene. Like, I'm a mentor now. Like, I'm a mentor at work. I'm a mentor with the, with the guys that do comedy. All I do is just encourage people. That's Beautiful. it. Beautiful. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Somebody will be like, I, I'm, sell, I'm only selling phones at T-Mobile, but I'm telling jokes at night. I go, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. That is exactly where you're supposed to be. You know, I got a friend of mine, comic guy, really funny kid. He's crashing on a couch two doors down. My buddy Marlo, one of the night, one of the first comics I met down here, little 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 guy, black guy. We're, we're tight. I'm like, you got a place to crash in Miami. We're tight. He's like, I'm Uber eating it. I'm like, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. 
Okay, we're 46 minutes into this podcast, and from here on out, I'll be angling for a place to crash in Miami. You're in. You're in. You're, let's go. You're in. I got a couch. Look, see if you can fit. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get an Airbnb. Your kids can, your daughter can sleep on my bed. She's got a thing, a blankie, and I got her monkey. Oh, you, yes, Harry got her a monkey. And what Harry doesn't know is my daughter's first sounds were hoo-hoo-ha-ha. That Monkey. is awesome. She, yes. that you is didn't awesome. know that. When no, you got I didn't know that. that. I, Brad, I saw you two years ago That's at a gym, awesome. and I was awesome. like, I got to keep up with this guy. And I, I, I do. I keep up with your, your, with your travels. It's, it's amazing how life works. It really Isn't is. It? How old are you, Harry? Uh, 52. I'm going to get a, a, um, a fake ID when I go to Miami so I can get into the clubs that says I'm 23, like a McLovin <laughs> type deal. So You can pull that off. Yeah. Do you have a best friend? Yeah, I do. I've known this guy f- since fourth grade. We played soccer together. We were on the purple team, and we won the championship. His name is Nick Delvecchio. He was number one player in baseball in Massachusetts. He went to Harvard, got drafted by the Yankees. He came up with Derek Jeter. Like if you read Derek Jeter's book, he's in Derek Jeter's book. He's, you know, Gangster Fred. Chris Heffernan, believe it or not, he's a mess. You have a lot of, of, of close I, I got a, I got a tight circle, yeah. just like you. You have a tight circle. Well, I wonder, our dads don't have a lot of friends. Do you think it's social media that's enabled us to have a lot of friends? I think our dads had a different view on life. You want to hear what my dad's doing right now? He Please. He retired and took a job at a pool supply store making $12 an hour to keep himself busy. I don't know why there's a mandatory retirement age. Those are the people that go nuts. I'm like, well, I've tried to talk him into starting this business and that business, but he's, he was an accountant, and he's used to working for the man. My dad, and so he's still working for the man. My dad was an accountant. Yeah, he, he, he died when I was 28, which is part of the reason I moved to New York. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, he was, it was the American dream. You know, the 2.3 kids, car in, in the yard, yep. all that sort of stuff. Our lives are different. You know, like when I went to college, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a writer. I studied creative writing. My dad was like, how are you going to make a living at that? Somehow I've made it. It's probably the same with you. Like, you know, oh, dad, I'm going to quit, and I'm going to travel, and I'm, I'm going to have a podcast. And, and, and your dad probably sat you down, hey, oh, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? No, I think his words were, what are you running from? <laughs> what I would tell you is, what are you running to? I know. But it's a non-conventional life, and you've, you've made it work. I don't fit in one of these boxes in, in corporate America. I just don't. I have never have. I never will. That's not my life. Like My life is everything outside of the 9 to 5. Yeah, I asked my dad to do something the other day. It was at lunchtime. What was it? Oh, I wanted him to come look at a baseball facility that we were considering investing in, and he couldn't make it because he had to work like a 10 to 2 that day. And I said, well, ask, ask Masta if he'll let you have a lunch break and come look at this property with oh, me. Oh, that's I hysterical. Mean, come on. That's his. And, and, oh, my God. He's like, no, no, I got to work from 10 to 2. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, your dad's probably feels productive and, he, and he's happy, right? He is, and, yeah. You know, and, and he doesn't understand. It's interacting with people. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot. Yeah, Kudos to my dad. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I, not knocking There was a guy that I used to, like, when I was growing up, I, I worked at a gas station. And he was retired, and he would literally make himself projects for the day, but they were stupid, like, oh, can you tighten the lug nuts on my car? I'm, I'm polishing my car. I got a busy day. I'm polishing my car. I get why people work, like, the $12 an hour pool job. Like, Charles mm-hmm. Pendarvis, I ran into him at Hertz. Mm-hmm. 
I was rent, renting a car at Hertz. Dude, he's the best guy you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. Hands down, the best guy you'll ever meet. Yeah, big fan. Oh, huge fan. Like, if you don't like Charles Pendarvis, you don't like people, yep, right? That's true. And, and, and uh, so I ran into him. He just retired, like full-time retired. And I'm like, Charles, get back in the software game. I need you. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, you know, no cold call, no 250 list, no nothing. He's like, no, 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 no. But, you know, he, he's, he's just one of those guys that was just, like, if you, you want to talk about work ethic? That's the work ethic. Yeah. My dad has it, too. I, that's where I learned it. Yeah, that's, that's where I learned it, too. Yeah. What was your first job? How Burger old are you? King. I lied about my, yeah. my age so that I could get the job. Yeah. Like 460 an hour. Amazing. Amazing. And then what did you do in high school? Played baseball and worked at Burger King. Okay. And then college? College, I worked. My girlfriend at the time's dad had a company called Pumps of Houston. So, like Christmas break, uh, summer break, I would do some. I'd grab the wrench and put it in the doo doo water, yeah, the yeah, sewage yeah, yeah. water, and pull the wrench out, and there'd be feces on the wrench. It was nasty. So yeah. I, did, I did some of that. I I did a little lifeguarding. That was probably the easiest job I yeah. did. I dug some ditches, uh, some trenches, so that. Uh, houses could be sprayed for termites and things like okay, that okay. in August. That was really hard work. Jesus. So I've had some, I've had some odd jobs, but uh, they all made me who I am. That and that's same with me. Like I worked at a gas station. I worked Bus at boy. Yeah, same, you know, you learn what you don't want to do in life. Yeah, you, that's l- for like, sure. like literally, like you know, yeah. like people complain to me about software sales. Oh, I got a cold call. I got to deal with an angry customer. Yeah. I'm like. The worst injury that I've ever gotten in, in, in my job, I had a paper cut. You know, I had a sprained, uh, yeah, I had a sprained wrist or you know something stupid. I can remember hearing people complain about that job that you're talking about. Yeah. And one time I broke it down for them for what they get paid per phone call that they make. Right. So they're required to make like 45 or 50 calls a day or whatever. Yeah. And I said, how much did you make last year? Oh, 108,000. Okay, let's do the math. You made $13.75 per time you picked up the phone. Per time. Per time. Are you, you're, and you didn't even have to pick up the phone. You wore a headset and pressed a button. Right, right. You're going to complain? Yeah, yeah. First world problems, third world problems, oh, and our problems. God. Software sales problems, yes. right? Those people are not waking up every day grateful. No, and that's, that's you know, when you have that blue collar, you know, when you're digging ditches, when you're working at a gas station, when you're putting your, 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 your hand in mock. And then you get to an idea or you get to a software sales job and you're like, I can ha- I can have snacks. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get paid cash, you know, like they're going to give us free food. Yeah. You know, I don't even have to pay for my health care. Right. Yeah. They paid all of our health. Yeah. There. They paid all of our health care. You know, like, I mean, the you know, Christmas parties, bring you know, your dog to work, whatever. Yeah. I mean, Christmas parties, you know, at, at, at the gas station, we went out to, to uh, Pizzeria Uno once a year. You know, and we got two or three pizzas, and that was our Christmas party. And I was grateful back then. I'm still grateful At back the then. At the Red House, they had a Starbucks less than two blocks away. You right. Go walk to yeah. Starbucks anytime. We all did it, like in packs. In <laughs> packs. We were like, packs, going to Starbucks, yeah. you know? And, and, and then we'd come back, and we'd finish up at 5 o'clock, and there'd be somebody would have a happy hour. Like, it was a very social event. You had this girl on Facebook. You posted quite a few pics with. Did that just fall apart? Yeah, it fell apart um, January. So mm-hmm. you, you, we talked about sales and 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 uh, we in April. Yeah, okay. and and she's a great great girl. Um, 
fantastic, but we just wanted different things. I, I want city life. Like I want to be not necessarily doing everything that the city has to offer, but I want to be in the center of things. She wanted the, uh, 2.5 kids in the house in the suburbs and, and all that stuff. And it's like, I don't want to drive to Starbucks. I want to walk to one of these like little independent coffee houses and, 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 and enjoy city life. And we just drifted apart and, and, you know, we still talk and she's a really nice person, wish her all the, all the luck, but I'm ready for, I think I'm ready for a new start. The, the past two years in Houston, what, what it's taught me was I can make it. You know, like I needed to be, I needed to make it on my own again. And that's what it's taught me. And, and with all the ups and downs and uh, stuff that life, life has to throw at you. And life throws a lot of curves. It, it throws a lot of curves. Was it hard? I was ready for it. You know, so one of the things, it was interesting enough because one of the things I realized in a lot of ways, I was dating my ex-wife. Oh Jesus! And that didn't turn out good. And that's where the therapy helped, right? And one of the, and the therapist said to me, he goes, because when you're in it, it's like being in a painting, like you can't see the forest from the trees. But when you have that third party objective view, yeah, yeah. and they're like, she's going to do more damage to you than your than your first wife did, then you go, oh, okay. I tell people like I have a horseshoe in my in my ass. I'm the luckiest guy I know in a lot of cases, and it's inadvertent. Like, it's just inadvertent. And this was one of those lucky breaks. It was the universe telling me, like, she's not the right person for you. And now I'm like, okay, great. How long did you date her? A year. Like, pretty much a year. It's you know? a good time to know whether or not to cut bait or Yeah, I thought, I, you know, I thought it was great. And she was, like I said, she's five, five kids, you know. She had five kids? Yeah, she had five kids. How many do you have? Three. Holy shit! So my my oldest is, and this is going to shock you, Brad, because yeah, she was I'm born. She was she was born Francis when I was at Idera, when I had the house in the Heights. When we worked together, she is going to be a freshman in high school. She's getting all A's, and she's a theater major. Like she mm-hmm. she does theater. The twins are going to be in eighth grade. They have you can find them on strings by P and F on Instagram. Follow them. Don't follow me. Follow them. They're doing some pretty cool things as far as marketing for somebody that's never had a marketing department. It's all self-done. And, and so they play soccer. They're all getting straight A's. You know, they're just, they're just, they're really good kids. They're really, really good kids. But I miss them. So their mom lives in Houston? Their mom lives in Boston. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh. It's probably the best. That's part of the, a big reason why I needed to, to to get out of there. It was the environment was so toxic for me, post divorce, that I was just reacting like I was in a in a pinball machine. Just everything was just reactive, and and I couldn't dig myself out of it. Right? And that's the only time you've been married. Uh, yeah. How long were you married? Five years. Five years. Damn, yeah. y'all produced three kids in five years. I was good. That <laughs> <laughs> was very efficient. I was good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was just, you know, but like I said, like when I look at Houston, like we had um, we had the trappings of success, right? We had a house in the Heights. The kids were going to school in a Montessori program. I had more money in the bank than I've ever had in my life. Like I was making really good money both at, at, at Idea and Semantic. And, you know, we weren't happy. Or my, I was, I was happy, or or happy-ish. 
But my, my ex-wife wasn't happy, and I don't think she's ever going to be happy. I look at my life now, I don't have as much physically as far as possessions, but I'm appreciative of what I have. You know, and, and it's right now it's more about the experiences. Like it's it's about the experience of going to rodeo and, and just you know, like like rodeo for me this year was fantastic. Like it was I won't sorry to interject. Did she expect you to make her happy? I don't know. Hmm. That's a great question. You know, if somebody's not happy, and there were signs and I ignored them, like I just I just ignored them. You know, you like, didn't have that objective. No, voice. I didn't have I I wish I had my I blame my therapist that I had now. For, that, for, that, for now, no, I just, I just, at the time I was 36, I was ready to settle down. I want to get married. I thought I found the right person. It all looked good. And then things just changed, right? Like it just, there was a lot of stuff going on. I don't think she was happy. I think she had some depression. I was working a lot. Like that's my addiction. If I had to say what, what my, my addiction is, it's, it's work. Like I'm, I'm a worker. There've been times when I'm like, you know, when I was living with Amanda, I'm like, Hey, can you get me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I am four feet away but I was that busy. Like yeah. it was on call after call after call. Mm. I've now learned like, okay, you gotta, you gotta take a break. You gotta, you gotta work on yourself. You gotta take a walk. I'm sure you're the same way. When you get into something, you don't stop. You're absolutely right. And I, my wife will ask, did you get in the zone or something? Yeah. I'll come to bed four hours later than anticipated. Right. And I do. I just get in the zone. I get in that flow state. And there's yeah. a great yeah. book written by this guy with a Polish name. Mikhail Tchaikovsky. Yeah, there Flow. One of the best books ever it, written. One of the yes. best. I couldn't put it down. Oh, my God. And it, it changed so my life. And it me. I'm like, yes, I need flow state. Right. That's, that, that's the optimal state. I got to piss again. Yeah, don't worry about it, man. Yeah, but that's the flow state. That's where you want to be as, a, as, as an athlete. That's where you want to be as a, as a salesperson, just in that optimal state. I remember reading that book, and it was, it was a great book. And that's, that's what happens. Like, I get in that flow state. I don't leave the corner. And then I realized I got to eat. I got to. And Joseph Campbell, The Power of Myth, and a few other books that I've read have really. Have you ever read Joseph Campbell and The Power of Myth? Have you read that book? I, you know, I've stayed away from Joseph Campbell because he wrote The Hero's Journey, right? Yeah. I found him over my head. Like I had. I needed to focus too much and I had to yeah. be in a mood. And there's certain authors that I go to when I'm in that mood. And that is like Nassim Taleb. Okay, I've never read him. Okay, so he wrote Anti-Fragile. Never he read wrote that. Fooled by Randomness. Okay. Basically, The Inferno. He has a collection of four books. But yeah, they're Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Like, I have to be in a certain mood to read certain books. Right. And A Hero's Journey and those Joseph Campbell books, I, yeah, I just, he's, he hasn't made my list of when I'm in that mood to really get into something because a lot of those paragraphs I'm reading two and three times. But oh, absolutely. Okay. So yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The power of myth is, 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 is a conversation that him, he and Bill Moyers had, and it's, it's, mm. it's, it's simpler, like it's more digestible. Okay. But one of the things it talks about, it, it, he brings in Star Wars, right? And he talks about the hero's journey. And Star Wars is, is, is pretty basic, but, you know, he ties it in with Odysseus, and the Greeks, but Star Wars is, is, you know, Luke Skywalker going on this hero's journey and discovering himself. And, and I, it's, it's, it's always resonated with me, you know, like, like the, I'm on my hero's journey. Like I'm Odysseus, you know, far away from everything, um, and growing and just trying to grow and trying to, you know, come up with it. And, 
um, trying to figure out what's what's working for me and what's not working for me. And it's once I adopted, you got to feed your head like you feed your mind, like you feed your body with exercise and, and things like that. It sounds like you and I probably read, read a lot of the same authors or read a lot of the same stuff. And that's that's what a lot of people stop, right? A lot of people don't read. Nobody's reading anymore. Yeah. We stayed in a rectangular condo complex in Playa del Carmen. Tell me and about at it. at 10 p.m., you can see into everybody's window. Yeah. And everybody is on their phone. Not one person has a book. Right. And I said to my wife, I said, how does, how does that look 10 years from now? The compounding effect of looking at Snapchat and scrolling yeah. Instagram every night for the next 10 years. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have this massive inequality, not just materially speaking, but intelligence-wise. Because yeah. people who grab a book and then another book and then another book are going to have the compound knowledge. Yes. And the dummies are just going to have the Instagram filters. And right, the right. Yeah, yes, and yes, 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 yes. I... People are amazed. I haven't had a TV in two years. That's great. I mean, I watch, I, I watch I something TV. on, I watch something on Netflix on my, on my computer, but I don't want a TV. I won't even watch Netflix. My wife kind of doesn't like me for that. If there was a man that wants to steal my wife, just like walk up to her in the street and say, "I love to," I would love to just watch Netflix and, and chill. Netflix and, and chill. And, that's okay, man. Like that's you know that. But I, I didn't come to Houston to watch TV. I came to Houston to live. I came to Houston to do comedy. I came to Houston to go to the rodeo. I came to Houston to go to art festivals. I came to Houston to, you know, go to barbecues and 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 just stuff. Like I didn't. Yeah. I, I'm not going to Miami to watch, you know, TV. Like I, I can do that everywhere. Like I, I don't want to do that. I want to. What's that show that everybody's seen? That. So I've been to like Scotland, and they'll say, "Okay, this is where this was filmed." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's um, that show? Uh, Lord of the. No, it's relatively new, maybe three years old, four years old. They had a new one, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I've yes. never seen it. I've, I've no, never I, seen I, I, I've never. I've never seen Game of Thrones. I've never seen Yellowstone. I've never. I've seen never seen Yellowstone. I've never that seen that. Everybody talks about. Brett, How do I, we have friends? I. I, I <laughs> people know? are like. One of my ex-girlfriends, Tracy, uh, was a teacher, and 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 she's really like a friend now. I consider her a friend, and and she's like, read a newspaper, right? <laughs> like, because I, I I stay away from media. Like, it's just, it, I get I get depressed about you know the Chechnyans or whatever, yeah. you know, or or oh my god, you know. But she's right. Well, like the Russian guest I had a few weeks ago, she said she hasn't looked at media in 15 years and i said why is that and she said well because i care about my mental health right <laughs> right right on. right yeah i mean I, I mean there's there's so many things like you know you, you get into these conversations and they're like well what about the penguins in antarctica Fuck okay well, <laughs> 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 what about the penguins and stuff yeah. i'm like should i know about this stuff like 90 no. percent of life that's in the news doesn't affect me. It does not. Even the weather. Well, maybe that's why people can't talk to each other anymore. They don't know what to talk about. Like Tracy was the best girlfriend I ever had. And, and as I'm looking for a partner, I, I looked, I look at Tracy. She was a teacher. Like you've got to have intellectual curiosity. It's a must. You know, you got to read something, you know, something. Yes. Yeah. Something. She was beautiful. She was kind. But, but the main thing is like, we could talk on the phone for hours. Other people 
it's like pulling teeth. Well, I'm so glad you said that because when I was dating prior to meeting my wife, I didn't even talk on the phone with girls. And when I did, they would talk for 15 minutes and then like, okay, your turn. Yeah. That's not how conversation works. No. Like they don't know that. They don't know any better. There's a back and forth. Right. It's a dance. Right. Uh, Exactly. You know, even now, like... I'm on I'm on Tinder. I'll give you one of my jokes for my, my, my you know, I think my Tinder's broken. Cause every time I swipe right and the girl swipes right, she looks just like me. <laughs> so so <laughs> that's that's from the act. Uh you can catch it somewhere at some point. I don't know where it's gonna be, but that's in there. I need to have that stimulation, not just a physical stimulation, but like what are you passionate about? Like, what are you passionate? Like, you're, you're passionate about traveling, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you light up. You're like, I'm going to Chechnya. I'm going to yeah, yeah. Prague. I'm going to India. I'm going here. And I'm like, wow. Like, but every time you come back, you're like, and I saw this, and I saw that, and I ate this, and I we, we took a rickshaw, and we... Bungee jumped in Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm passionate about the arts, like, the experience of being alive. Like, you know, just the fish out of water. The hero. Yeah, that's it, you know, and I can't and, explain it. And just like, like in Houston, like my best friends in comedy break down into two sets. There's the set that's younger than me, like guys like Marlo and Enrique Chacon, and 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 they're just amazing guys. Like they're just genuinely funny people, super nice guys. You know, not a mean bone in their body, just just unbelievably talented. And then there's the guys that are my age. Right, so I took a bunch of guys that are my age to a Texans game, and I was the only white guy. I had no problems with it. They had no problems with it, and we had a great time. Like we just, we just, you know, they were like, "Thank you so much." It, tickets were twenty five dollars, but it's the experience of 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 being doing something for somebody else. But you know, my buddy Cliff, he said, you know, and he was he was living in in tents back in the day. He was addicted to crack. He, he got shot at. When you talk to somebody else and you hear their story, you're like, oh, my God. One of the things that he was saying, he's like, yeah, the biggest high I get is making people laugh. Oh. It's a rush. Oh, God, yeah. I can't imagine making a room. Well, I've done it once in my life. But where, where was it? It was a it was wedding. An Idera uh, conference. They For, had 500 people there. Yeah. And I had to speak about the product and i i have always known that whenever you give a talk you start with something funny right it humanizes you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. tension yeah. in the room and i said something about i'm brad d'antonio you probably recognize me from your caller id <laughs> <laughs> and it took like it took a half a second because it has to carry from the mic to the back of the room and that gap was like my stomach, like butterfly. Like it just dropped. dropped. It dropped. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that bombed. And then I heard this roar, and it sounds like a roar. It's, it does. It's yeah. Like, oh my god, it was the best feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, could, I got I to try comedy. <laughs> I, I, I can get you up. I, I might not be able to get you down, but I can get you up, man. Well, I might take you up on that. Yeah, and, and, and there's a fifty-fifty chance I'm taking you up on that because I would, I would love it. When I, I just need to, I need to start finding material. When I started traveling, but for, it's everywhere, right? It, that's the thing. When I started traveling for Kaspersky, like I'd go to Montana, I'd go to um, North Dakota, South Dakota. I had so much downtime at night, I'd find an open mic night. 
So I'd literally just show up to some saloon mm. and I just start telling jokes, you know, and it was just, it was fantastic. It was, it was unbelievable. So you, you can tell a joke on the, on the spot. I've done so much of it. Yeah. It's, it, you know, how many bats have you taken in your life? At bats? At bats. Let's say 300 a year. You've seen a lot of pitches, right? Yeah. So you know when a pitcher goes in the windup and he's, he's going to do something from the arm angle, from the spin, you recognize it. I've taken maybe 300 at-bats in my life. Again, going from like, now if you started off from Little League, right? Yeah. So you know, 3-2 pitch, what the tips are. You recognize certain situations. It's the same thing. The more I get up, I recognize certain situations. I can go into a crowd and I can see a guy, body on, you know, uncomfortable, that's the guy I want to talk to. Mm. That's the guy I want to talk to. In, in a sales call, I had a guy, he had, a, he had, as his Zoom saver, he had the guy from Office Space, one of the guys from Office Space. Nobody addressed that on that call. Mm. And I addressed it on the call. And that changed the dynamics of the call because instantly he felt, okay, this guy understands me. This guy knows me. Yeah. You know, like, this guy gets it. Yeah. And it changed so much on that call that it, it just made it easier. But nobody, nobody's got the balls to, to address any of that stuff. And a lot of it is balls. And it's weird. We don't think of it as balls. It, it's like I had this conversation with my best friend. Like, do you consider yourself a disciplined person? And he was like, no. Once you discipline yourself over the course of 20 years, you just are who you are. Like, you don't think I have to discipline myself right. to go to the gym. Right. And it's the same thing with having balls. Like, I don't think of myself as having balls. I remember asking a girl that I took on a date one time, like, what would you think when I asked you out? And she was like, oh, this guy's got balls. And I thought, who do you think you are? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. I'm more comfortable in front of 50 people in a mic than I am on a first date with somebody that doesn't talk. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you have to pull the conversation out of them. And you're like, yeah. you know, what books have you read? Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what is that? Like, what is that? You know, what do you think of Game of Thrones? Oh, well, I don't own a TV. <laughs> you know, you know I, I don't know what to tell you. I just, I just don't. Yeah. You know, or, you know, like, what are you looking for? A good relationship. <laughs> you know, and, and you're literally counting the, the, the minutes until the date ends. Uh -huh. uh, I call the audible. Oh, look, it's 145. I've got, okay. a, I've got so that, that yeah, yeah. She must be a hard six then. doesn't matter. No. It, it, you know what? Here's the thing that I, you know, like when I was young, I want the hot chick. And then as I get older, I'm like, do I want to get stuck with the hot chick? Mm. Do I want to wake up every day? and not be able to have a conversation? Mm. Do I want to wake up and not have that fire in my belly to be like, okay, I want to be a better person, you know, or do I just want to be stuck in some loveless marriage? Well, I think you want someone who inspires you. That's what I'm looking for. That's yes. exactly what I'm looking and for. And it does take a certain level of beauty and preservation, taking care of yourself. Right. My right. wife wakes up and put make, puts makeup on every day, and I love that about her. I have a Netflix account, and I can travel. Tell her that. <laughs> you motherfucker. Anything, I said this on the last episode, anything that comes between me and my family gets destroyed. You didn't listen to that one. No, no. <laughs> okay. well, Brad, and, and, you're putting yourself out there, right? Yeah. You know, you're putting yourself out there. And it's amazing. Like, you know, there, there'll be people on Facebook that I'll run into five or six years, you know, or, or whatever. And they're like, what happened to this? Like, I'll give you, for example, I was traveling to North Dakota, South Dakota, 
and I was going through Chicago, somehow my luggage got lost. My luggage got lost. I had business meetings. I had to go to Walmart and buy clothes, mm. right? I made a joke of my having my luggage lost. And you're like, oh, my luggage is having a great time in Chicago. It's a, a baseball game. It's at the museum, all that sort of stuff. Didn't think anything of it. I, nobody pays attention to my posts, right? I go to my business meeting. There's a tag from Walmart hanging out. I'm laughing. The guy's laughing. We're laughing. We get back, all that sort of stuff. The next year, I go to my high school reunion. And James Baker, who's one of my friends, grabs his wife, right, who I've never met, and goes, this is the guy I was telling you about who lost his luggage in Chicago. He goes, I was dying laughing uh-huh. at that. And, and I'm that like, was how long after? A year or two. That's great. You know, but you, 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 you never know. You, you never know. Like, I don't know who's going to be listening to this. And you don't know what the reaction is going to be. Yeah. I was at a red light on the way here and got an Instagram DM from my cousin. This is my favorite cousin in the world. Yeah. He said, your comment on that last uh, solo episode where you talked about Russia doing empire building. He was like, yeah, I didn't know about that. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, well, just, I don't know if the context or something, but it just, it rubbed him the wrong way. And, and I'm like, what? It just didn't make sense to me. All I was trying to convey was that is Russia going to be content if they take over Ukraine, are they going to sit on their hands or do the lessons of history teach us that they're then going to go after Lithuania or right, Latvia, right, right, right. You know, Poland, yeah, Poland, oh, Poland's, Poland's right next door, oh, yeah, Hungary, Czech, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so he took that as me being on the side of Russia doing some empire building, and and so that's one person who knows me pretty well. Think about all the other hundreds or thousands of people out there listening. Who so wait, don't wait, know wait, time me. out, time out. Yeah. So you're not in favor of Russia. I just want to make sure we get that clear. I'm not in favor of them invading Ukraine, no. Thank you. So anybody that's pro Ukraine or pro Russia invading. Well, the girl I just had on the podcast yeah. has a Ukrainian surname. Yeah. And Russians in Ukraine. Yeah. And is pro Putin. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody. Right? There's always going to be somebody that's pro-Putin. There's always going to be somebody that's, that has a different opinion than it, you. And, and, and the only thing that you could say is, that's okay. Do you know that, you? I probably told you this, my account, Facebook and Instagram, I was blocked for a month prior to the 2020 election from posting anything. Really? Well, the big tech companies couldn't risk literally Hitler getting another four years. So yeah, they yeah, yeah, blocked yeah. me. yeah. Well, do you know that now that I've had this girl on my podcast and posted about it, today I posted, or this was maybe last night, I posted my daughter stirring coffee at a restaurant, and it had a warning notice on it and said, this content has been blocked in certain countries. Click here to view which countries. And I click it, and it says Russia. Oh, yeah. It's blocked in Russia, a video of my daughter. That is so crazy. Yes. Like, you know, because I think, you know, as an artist or or, or as somebody that grew up believing in free speech, like, it's the ultimate thing, you know, like... Well, for us Westerners, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, people who live through the USSR, they don't know free speech. Right, but even, 
and I don't want to get get into the conspiracy rabbit holes, right? But I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is our speech really free now? Yeah, do you think? No, yeah, because you told me before we started that you can't say the the things that I say because you're still in the tech world. Right, right. So but that then, means your speech ain't free. Absolutely, I, I, Brad, hundred percent. You know, and, and I also have kids, and I also have a very contentious ex-wife who could use whatever I say against me in a court I didn't of law. Think of that. So I've got a, you know, even I told a joke on stage the other day, and I didn't think it was racist, but when I told it. It was, right? Tell me the joke. My buddy Marlo. Who black lives, guy, comedy. Black yeah. guy, comedy, really nice kid. I joke with him like, I want to adopt him. He's like a 30-year-old guy. I go, I'm going to Miami. I want to adopt you. Just joking around. I laugh every single time I say it. He laughs every single time. I said it on stage. The next comic, Trey Tunston, who I'm friends with, and he's very, very fun. He's like jokingly around, insinuated that. And I even passed that. I tried to pass a hat to get a... A, a donation so that I could adopt Marlo. I was gonna. I wasn't gonna take the money, right? Mm-hmm. I. It was different strokes, like different strokes for different hands. I say it all the time. But what? What did he say? He came on stage and said, "Harry, that was a racist." We talked. We talked. I talked when I realized it was racist. I. The first thing I what did. What was racist about it? You wanting to adopt someone who has a dark skin tone? It was 35, 30 years old. I could see. My point. My point of view has changed. I, I don't understand what. I could see. About I could. It. It, it implies slavery. Oh, you're owning him? You're not adopting right, right, him? Right, 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 right. Oh, adoption is equated it can, to it, ownership, it could, it could which be. is slavery? Right, it could be. And now... now oh, fuck out of here. Yeah, Who no. is this guy? That's... Yeah. Yeah, he's my buddy, okay, right? Okay, okay, you know, sorry. But when I... You know, like... And I had a conversation with him yesterday. Like, the old me would have been like, fuck you. Like, screw you, that's... Is, what, now, as I'm... And I'm not... I'm the least woke person you'll ever meet... But I can see somebody else's point of view. Well, how old was this person who said that's a racist joke? Because that matters. 30. Okay, so my wife is in her late 20s. Her friends would have said the same thing. Right. Everything is racist to them. Everything. Everything. Yeah. And that's that's just... It's cancel culture. It's cancel culture. It's It's toxic. to yeah. the nth degree. Yeah. It's crazy. What I hear her her relatives say is racist. But, you know, they're between the ages of 20 and 30. So everything is racist. I've had, I've had, my, my buddy. And my, what's, sorry, if yeah, I yeah. can say more. Like when the, the Floyd, George Floyd thing happened. Yeah. My buddies who coach. We would we talked about it, yeah. and I'm like, hey, how are you handling this with your team? Yeah. And they're they're like, well, you know, I had to think, do I have any black guys on my team? Right. And that's how I am. It's like, do I, or do I, do I have any black friends that I need to reach out to and see if they're okay? Right. Because like, you don't even think about your friends as being white or black. They're just friends. They're just players on your team. That's that's the difference. Like I. Like Fred and I, gangster Fred and I, I don't see him as black. He doesn't see me as white. No. Like we, we've known each other for such a long time that when I go to the comedy clubs and even you know with the older guys that I hang out with, with 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 Al and Cliff and like I don't see color. I, Dude, I, 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 I have a biracial daughter. What happens there? Like does she get all these benefits that are yeah that are being doled out? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Her skin tone is closer to mine than my wife's. Right, right. Is she gonna get all the benefits? 
Who knows? Of a, of a Hispanic? It's yeah, ridiculous. but that's, you know, like I had friends, you know, like when I lived down here and something would happen in Houston, you know, the news, right? I'm oblivious to 90% of what happens, literally. Oh, there was a shooting somewhere in Texas. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I'm fine. But I see their point. I can see why they're calling. I could see, I can now see, okay, yeah, it, it, I could see how that might have been offensive to somebody, right? Like, it's not... And I didn't, it, it wasn't meant out of malice at all, but I could see why it was taken that way. And so it's, 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 it's one it of It takes a little bit of work. Is that, is that person, I know he's a buddy of yours, but is he someone who prides himself on being somewhat intellectual? Because it is, it is kind of a stretch to well, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd didn't, slavery, the crowd didn't react racism. the way, the crowd didn't react the way I want to. You know oh, what I'm saying? Okay. So, you know, like... You it, think they were thinking, oh, that's oh, racist? They, they, I put them in an uncomfortable position, and uh, I've, I've done that before, okay. right? You know, because I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going to work. Like, sometimes yeah. I just go off the cuff. I'm just like, whatever I'm feeling. Yeah. And sometimes it works, and it works in my favor. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it, it, it makes the crowd... And, and this is something that my buddy Al told me. He's been doing comedy for 30-plus years. He's a Houston legend, all this sort of stuff. He goes, what you need to start doing is making them uncomfortable a little bit making them kind of think and that's the biggest difference between the boston comedy that i'm used to here and houston like some of the more professional comics out here they'll make you uncomfortable they'll win you back but there's there's a spot of of, of being uncomfortable and where you actually have to think outside the box like it's not just here the jokes here's the dick joke here's this joke here's that joke boom 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 like they'll challenge you as a as a as a crowd. Like when I talk to you, we challenge each other. Like I grew up in Boston, you grew up in Louisiana. You're gonna have your view on life is gonna be so much. Like you you've done all this travel. Your view on life is gonna be so much different. I'm gonna sit back after this conversation. I'm gonna digest it, and I'm gonna like, holy shit, I never thought of it like that. Like you mentioned, you're going to, to, to Mexico and everybody's got their phones out. And you see it. Like you see it all the time. You know, you're, you're at line at Starbucks. Everybody's got their phones out. Well, even at the gym now, you have to mimic taking your AirPod out of your ear to talk to someone. Right. Like, like hey, I want to say something to you. Right. So that they'll pull, it, pull their AirPod out of their ear. Right. For the longest, I didn't wear anything on my ears at the gym because I wanted to make friends. Right, and, right, right, right. And I knew once I went to AirPods at the gym, I'm never going back. Right. Kind of like going black if I can make yeah, a Yeah, joke. yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. absolutely. If I can make a racist joke. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's your podcast, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like, you know, like when you have, when you have, like Tracy, I'll, I'll go back to the Tracy. Like she would challenge me. Like she would challenge me. You know, like she would challenge me. She would be like about the way I thought, about the way I read, about you know, the way I live my life, like, that's what you want in a partner, mm. you know, like, like, not, not aggressively, but you, you, you get out of the interaction, but like, oh my God, I never saw it that way. Yeah. I never saw it that way. It's the same thing with work. Like, you know, one of the, one of my coworkers, I, I wrote an email and he was like, well, he felt like I was, I wasn't, I was taking credit for his ideas. Right. And I wasn't grandstanding or taking credit for his ideas, but now like the older, the younger me would have been like, what are you talking about? And I would have been confrontational with him. As a mentor now, because I'm dealing with younger kids or younger people, right, in, in my life, I can now take that 
and 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 put yourself in that person's position. Like, okay, I could see why what I said affected you like that. I could see why you would think that way, right? Doesn't mean I'm right, doesn't mean you're right. Let's come up with a middle ground and move on. And that's it, and just move on. With that with the joke that I told, it's funny between Marlo and I. I see uh, the comics point that, that, that called me out on it. You know, I saw the crowd's reaction. At, at the time, I moved on with my set. It's not an integral part of my, my, my set list. I'll just, I could just easily drop it. Like, it's no, it's no big deal. Like, it, it, that's where you put your ego aside. Ego is the enemy. Have you seen that diagram? It's old school where the guy is on a whiteboard showing you that you want a woman that's this much crazy and this much beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's interesting you say you want someone who will challenge you intellectually. And so if you are seeking or courting a woman, you do want someone who has the intellectual capacity to challenge you because... You, I live for those aha moments. Right. And that, 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 that Yes, that yes, brain, yes, yes, yes. I never would have dated a 22-year-old yeah. as a 35-year-old if she was your average white girl, if we're right, going right, yeah, yeah. to be yeah, racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, she was average, raised in a, in a home where her parents didn't speak English. Her parents were raised not in poverty. They were raised in destitution. Her mom is one of 14 kids. Wow. They weren't raised in America where dad had a good job. Right. They were raised in Mexico. You know, you're sharing a, a bedroom with four other people or more. You start working at age four and a half. Right, right, yeah. right. Ga- was, gather, gathering eggs, gathering the chickens. Dad was one of ten kids. Oh, my God. So they bring that to the marriage, uh, her, her parents, my in-laws, and then she's raised completely different. How she so? She was raised in poverty, but in American poverty. Right. So a higher standard of living. Right, right, right. Well, you have electricity, the, you have government cheese, you have this, you, you have that. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The HISD school she went to, Spanish was the language that was spoken primarily. Okay. English was not spoken. But just being raised in this way made her so much different. Like... I the way that you text with someone is so important. Like you have to almost have the same text game with right. someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I'm texting with four different girls, and when you're starting to date, you're more you're you more, more than likely you're dating more than one girl. You're talking to more than you one. You should girl. be. You should be talking to more sh- than one girl. Yeah, yeah. Best practices. Well, Best practices, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Here's, Here's the, the funnel. funnel. Here's the yes. funnel. Right. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna weed you out. And you out. Yeah, they weed themselves out with yeah, me. Yeah. They weed themselves out most yeah. of the time. Yeah, and that's okay. But she spoke in complete sentences. Right. And I do too. Right. And I kind of need that. Like I don't need. It bothers the hell out of me. You go to Mexico. Everybody in Mexico texts this way. Hola, and then the next, the next text is mi amigo, and then it's like, donde esta, and then it's, and it's like seven texts, so your phone is blowing up. Every single text. For one sentence. Right. Like for one thing. Right, right, right. And it's like, why would they think that's a good idea? Here's another thing that bothers me about texting. They, people will send, and they do this, they might have an excuse in Mexico because they don't write their English as well as they speak it. Yeah. So they'll leave a message that's 
a minute and 47 seconds long that you have to listen to, like an audio message. Right. So they have an excuse. But people in America who do that because they're busy, but they think it's okay for the other person to sit there and listen to your message for a minute and 47 seconds, I'm like, fuck you. I'm not listening to your message. I got a hack. Okay. I keep my mailbox full. (laughs) <laughs> so they can't leave messages. The only yeah. one that complains about that is my mother. She's yeah. like, I tried to leave you a message. Your mailbox was full. And that's I'm great. just, uh, that's, that's my hack. Well, I have all kinds of hacks. Give and, me one. Okay. I don't have no, the only notifications I get are from WhatsApp. And okay. So I okay. don't get text notifications. If you were to text me and it takes me two hours to respond, it's not because of a lack of respect or I don't like you. I, just, I don't see it. I have to search my text the way I would search email. Really? Yes. Because I want to be proactive in my you wanna life. You want to be present. I don't you want to be present. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get so it. So I don't get Facebook dings, Instagram dings. I don't understand how anybody would want those interruptions in their day. Right. But evidently there's a dopamine hit that they get. Oh, absolutely. Maybe my brain is wired to where I don't get that dopamine hit. But my dopamine maybe comes from the fact that, like you said, I'm present, I'm aware, I'm learning. I don't want to be interrupted by just anybody. Right. And as a parent of a young kid, you want to be. And the story about your wife is amazing. And I'll tell you why. Your life is so unconventional. That I had to find it unconventional. No, no, no. Because, like, think about it. Like, you, you know, if if and if you're dating somebody, and I'm not going to say white girl or whatever, that was raised in America in middle class or higher standards, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be used to those standards, right? When you travel, something is going to go awry. It, whether it's, it's, it's like I had to go to Walmart. I'm sure you've got stories where you think you're going to be staying at one hotel and then you're staying in the youth hostel or the air conditioning on the car breaks or, you know, you can't get whatever, right? And, and if you're used to that lifestyle, right, you're going to be like, this is not the guy for me. This is not the person for me. Now, if, you're, if you've come up hard, which it sounds like your wife you know, and her parents have come up hard, you can appreciate the fact like one of the trips I, I, I took recently, I was going to Austin and I got lost and we went down highway 20 from Austin to, to Houston or maybe from San Antonio to Houston. I love that. I wasn't on I 10. I got to see like the back country roads. I got to see farms. I got to see cows. I got to see all that stuff. I wasn't seeing Ikea. I wasn't seeing Bucky's. I wasn't seeing McDonald's like it's okay to get lost. It's okay to get lost. It's okay for things to happen. The road less traveled. Yeah. That's embracing the suck. You and know, you appreciate it. Yeah. Cause the I, I mean, you, you know, like I, I grew up in Massachusetts. So I come down here and I'm like, Oh my God, look at this, you know, blue bonnets. Right. And you go out and you're like chicken fried steak and patios and everybody engaged. I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. Yeah. And like down here, like I walked down there and there's truck yard, right? Have you been to the truck yard? Mm-mm. It's ghetto. But they got a Ferris wheel. What kind of a bar has a Ferris wheel? Like you, I, I've never seen that. I'll never mm-hmm. see that again. You come down here and you, you just see all sorts of different people, especially downtown. You know, you go to the Heights, it's, it's a whole different 
vibe. You know, you, you go to Montrose, it's, a, it's, it's a, one neighborhood away. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're an outsider, you can appreciate that. There is so much diversity in Houston based on what you just said. Like if you lived in Montrose or the Heights or the Galleria area or the medical center. Right. There is so much diversity. So if you were to move from Boston to Houston and not come and stay here for a couple of weeks first before you, for example, bought a place, would you be doing yourself a disservice or what? Well, my I mean, friends, well, my friends, I have, I've had a couple friends come down here you know, uh-huh. and they visited. You know, my best friend, Nick, he comes down once a year. He's, he's six, five. He sleeps on this couch. We'll go out and he'll be like, oh, my God. You know, like, look at, look at this. Like, oh, my God. You know, like his eyes are like wide and you just you're just going out and we're just literally going down the street to watch a football game but there's so much going on that's just so different like all sorts of different people all sorts of different ethnicities all sorts of different food like what i loved about new york if you were prejudiced against somebody let's say you didn't like pakistani people or whatever i guarantee you a pakistani person would sit right next to you on the subway for the entire ride is that the universe? That's the universe conspiring. Yeah, to, that's the, it, 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 <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. So let's say you didn't like Pakistani people. Yeah, yeah. Right. You'd get on the subway at a certain stop. All of a sudden, <laughs> the train would be filled with Pakistani people. Why? It's so diverse. Oh, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever was your thing. Right, your prejudice. That's gonna happen. It's gonna tra- yeah. transgender Inevitable. this, that, whatever. Yeah. Like it's just the universe saying, "Hey, you know what? You got to grow up." No, okay. You know, like it's yeah. not. It's not them. I'm gonna bombard you with this. Yeah, it's not <laughs> them. It's you. It's you. Right, and then once you start talking to these, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like I went to Brooklyn. I, I met a lot of a lot of people that were like Pakistani or whatever. I don't know, Muslim, right? Yeah. And there was a lot of Muslim phobia. They were mm-hmm. the nicest people to me i don't know if they were nice to everybody else but to me they were very accepting they were nice like we played basketball together it was around the time of of uh the world trade center bombings and all that stuff and they're like we're all not like this we're all not like this like i worked i worked in a in a in a jamaican neighborhood and i was like i'd never been exposed to jamaican culture and it was awesome like i i would go down to the jamaican pride day you know and it was awesome it was it was, it was just you know big flow the steel drums and i'm like oh my god like this is same with houston you know that two martin did you know they had two martin luther day king day parades here no, i didn't know yeah martin, it's the only city i've ever been to that has had two martin luther king day parades i wonder what's going to happen there because martin luther king's dream has basically been achieved and we still have a holiday to honor him. So his name sticks around, but it's like his message is getting lost. And, and that bothers me. I don't know why we don't have a 9-11 day remembrance. Yeah, we should have that too. That's a good point. You know, that's one of those things. I'm like, it should be a national holiday, a day of remembrance, mm. right? Like, that's you know, but, but you know what? You know, every time you say that, the message is out there and we've, we've it's achieved. Lost. Yeah. There's always some, some, somebody will come in and, and like, you know, like with George Floyd or, or there'll be some sort of racial incident. There's still a lot of prejudice out there. There's still, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it's not prejudice. It's lack of knowledge. Mm. You know, like, like 
when you immerse yourself in a culture like you've been doing, like going down to Mexico or going down here, your worldviews of that culture is going to change. You're going to see things differently. Maybe you'll see, okay, maybe this is the one thing I don't like about Switzerland, but I like this, 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 and this about Switzerland. Maybe this is one thing I don't like about Mexico, but I can appreciate this, 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 and this about Mexico and Mexican people. You're not going to see Mexican people, you're going to see Mexican people different being immersed in Mexico than living in Houston being surrounded by Mexicans. Okay, I've got to say this. My wife really appreciates the fact that I have been to San Miguel de Allende and Oaxaca and these more obscure parts of Mexico, not just Cancun, Tulum, yeah. Playa del Carmen. Yeah. And the reason is because in that those last three areas I mentioned, Playa del Carmen, Cancun, and Tulum, they call that the Riviera Maya. Right, the right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a touristy part. It's touristy, and so you will get scammed every transaction. Right. You you count your change, and you realize you've been scammed the equivalent of a quarter. And the guy, even at the grocery store, if there are three people in line, he knows that you're not going to hold up the line, and you're yeah. it's not worth your time to fight over a quarter. He gives you that quarter. You're going to end up giving that and more to the guy who bagged your groceries anyway. Right. But we have had so many incidents, and I'll just share this one story. There was a woman who was a friend of our family because she had driven us to the airport so many times. If we go from Cancun to Playa del Carmen, we'll take the bus, the ADO bus. Okay. The pe- Apple, the, the, dog, octopus. The, pe- the people's transportation. It's like $11 a ticket. Okay. There's a colectivo, which is a van. You could take even cheaper. It'd probably be like four bucks. Yeah. Brooklyn had a dollar van that went up and down Flatbush Ave. And you put, right? a, you put a do- they, millions of them. You put a dollar in. This was before Uber. This was before Lyft. And it took you from one end of Brooklyn. And you'd literally be sitting there with everybody. <laughs> and then it would take you to the other end of Brooklyn. Yeah. And it would just drop people off. Cool. A lot of churches did that. Go ahead. I apologize. Don't apologize. Because one thing that should be said is that Uber doesn't require masks anymore. Many right. people don't right. know that. Yeah, yeah. I just learned that yesterday. So so we'll take a cab generally from Playa del Carmen to the airport, and it's three times the cost almost. But with a bus, you have all this luggage that you have to – you're probably going to be taking a cab to the bus station because you have so much luggage. Right, right, right. And so you, you might guys, as well... You guys are going down for a month. We're down there for a month, so we have quite a bit of luggage. Right. One time, I went to the airport with one of these four or five people that I had befriended. She had befriended the family. She knew my wife. She had met yeah. Aria, my baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. who was like six months at the time. So we had a relationship. We negotiated over text that she would take me to the airport for $35. We get to the airport, and she says that'll be $45. And I said, you said $35. Yeah. And she said, oh, no, sir, it's $45. And I said, I can't believe you would do this to me. Like, you know my family. We agreed. Right, right, right. And I speak enough Spanish to, to, to where it was 
it was said in Spanish. And she said, well, I'm going to get the police over here. And oh, yeah. she thought that that would scare me. And I said, well, great, get the police over here because I have text messages right, saying right, she's right, agreed right, to $35. Right, right. We show the cop that we've agreed to $35. Guess whose side the cop took? Yours. No. The what? Mexicans. Really? Yes. Wow. It's that disgusting. And it's it's prevalent. It's the one downside of the Riviera Maya. And my wife claims it's because it's touristy. They're accustomed to it. But yeah. they skim something off the top every single time. You'll hand them a 20. They'll act like you handed them a 10. So just be very careful. Count your change. Yeah. It's the one part, because they know a lot of people go down there for a few days. They're there for vacation. They're there to spend money anyway. They're not going to count their change, but I'm different. I count my change. Absolutely. I don't like people to be screwed out of their hard-earned money, but a lot of people there, if you have money and they don't, they feel entitled to your money. So yeah, it's a, it's you a won't have, even win if you have it in writing with the police. So just be careful. It, it, it's a have and have nots. That, that's, yes. that's, I mean, that, that's what it is. And what she's trying to tell me is that I'm so glad that you've been to these other parts of Mexico because it's not Mexican culture. Right. It's Riviera Maya culture yeah. where they'll try to scam you. I, I went to um, – I was interviewing at the, at the company that I'm at now. So I went to South Beach. So I uh, I see a drink special, and I go, I'm going to get a margarita. Right? I, I thought it was like a $10 drink special. It was a little solo cup, and it was $25. $25 U.S. dollars. $25 U.S. dollars, right? Because they get – it's a tourist trap. Same thing with Fango Hall in Boston, right? Like the great thing about Houston is there's no tourist traps. Yeah. There's, no, there's no tourism in Houston. Where were you? I was in South Beach, some South Beach. R- r- some random yeah. restaurant, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, all right, I'll just, I, and I'm not a big drinker, right? So I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I might as well, you know, have one. And I'm, I'm thinking it's gonna be ten dollars. I got the bill; it was twenty five dollars. What did you do? I paid it. Just you're a better man than me. Well, I, what, you can't argue at that point with 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 anybody. And the other thing about Miami is they include the tip. You know, and there's and there's taxes and all this sort of stuff. But okay. you know, when you go to these touristy places, there's no way I would have taken that deal. I, I probably would have said, "Oh my God, I forgot my credit card." Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 that's what I should have said. Right? But <laughs> you know what? I, I, I mean, because it's true, I probably, you know, I don't have a credit card, so I don't have a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> when you get off a cruise ship and you go to Senior Frogs, they're going to get your money one way or the other. It's when you start going to those off the beaten paths. You know where maybe you should or shouldn't go. That's when you start seeing like the real culture. That's when you start seeing the real people. You know that's when you start eating the real food, and that's when you start getting uh, uh, the better deals. You want to do some fun, quick questions? Before sure. We head yeah, out yeah, yeah, absolutely. These usually lead to good discussions. So All right. They don't have to be quick. Is social media a net positive or net negative for society? It's a net neutral. Net neutral. Because well, like. For example, like Facebook, I would say, or, or Instagram, right? 90% of it for me is just garbage. It's, it's a lot of garbage. However, you know, there are people, uh, Jeff Land, right? Bobby Riley, you know, they're out in Austin. So whenever I go to Austin, I'll message them. Hey, I'm in Austin. I would have never, I don't keep, I, w- I would have never kept up with them. 
uh, yourself. Like I, I, I thought you were in New Orleans, but you're a man overseas. You could be anywhere. Yeah, and you hit me up and said, hey, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to New Orleans, yeah, right? And, you know, that. I also get the opposite, right? Where it's like, I'm pro Biden, I'm pro Trump, I'm pro this, I'm pro. I don't want that stuff. Like I don't need that stuff in my life. What is most important to you in the next two to three years? Me. <laughs> That's the only way I can say it. I don't know how to, like, my own my own survival. Like, not, not like, basic survival like what your in-laws went through, but my own happiness, like, my own well-being, like, being my true self. That's, that's, I've had the trappings of success. I've had the trappings of failure. I just want to be my authentic self. Your authentic self. And what does that mean? It's, it's evolving. It's, um, you know, part of it is going to be the artistic side of me and the comedy side of me. And part of it is going to be the business side of me. And part of it is going to be the intellectual side of me. I don't know what Miami is going to bring. I didn't know what Houston was going to bring, but I get the best out of it. Every place I've gone to, there's always been a lesson. I've always been the fish out of water. And it's accepting, it's accepting the fact that I'm that fish out of water and thriving in it. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I tweeted yesterday, you're better off focusing on goodness than happiness. The world, too. That's brilliant. I think so, too. Otherwise, I wouldn't have tweeted it. And I don't know where the thought came from, but... Yeah, I mean, happiness is fleeting, right? It is. You know, but goodness is, is, is a part of your DNA. Like, you, you know what the right thing is to do. It doesn't mean you do it all the time, but if you're a good person, like, you're a good person, Brad. You've never punched me in the face. You've never had an argument. Like, we get along really well. You know, you lead a good life. Does it mean you're a happy person? I think we're so complex as, as human beings and if you focus on happiness, it, 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 it can be detrimental to your happiness, right? But if you focus on goodness, like you were saying, and just try to do the good things, eventually you'll get the payoff. And you're a father now. Like, you, don't, you know, that's, that's, that's the other thing. Like, your daughter is going to pick up so much from you. She's going to absorb. She's, she's a sponge, you know? And if she sees you doing good things she's going to be more apt to do good things. Like, her experience right now with all the travel, how many countries has she been to? How many different places? Well, I keep telling the wife, we need to get going because I think after two, you have to pay for a ticket, That's a, an yeah, airline yeah, yeah, ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's do as much traveling as we can before she turns two. So how many places has she been to? Is, is... She really hasn't been that many places, but I'll tell you this. She was a totally different person when we traveled to Chicago, which is the same distance as going to Cancun. Okay. But she had aged. So when we went to Chicago, it was September. She was born in January, so she's, what, eight months? Yeah. We just went to Mexico, and she had just turned a year but she couldn't stay still in her seat when we went to Mexico. Okay. But she was the most well-behaved child in existence on the way to Chicago while we were in Chicago. She's a well-behaved child yeah, yeah, to yeah. begin with. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. an angel. But it was, it was different. So it'll be interesting to see how she changes. None of that answers your question. She's only been to Chicago and Mexico. Anytime we've gone to New Orleans, it's been in a car. 
how's and her, even how, that has changed. How's her palate? Is she, is she a picky eater, or is she like accepting of the different foods and the different cultures? She's accepting of the different foods, which is wonderful. She's like her mama. When she struggles to eat, I play the airplane game with her. I still do that with me. You still do that with, with yourself? Me. With me, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the plane needs a place to land. Yeah, absolutely. And she's got a great run, uh, runway in her mouth. That tongue is, is that, the runway. But that's that's the difference of a kid that travels and a kid that just lives like that suburban life. And the kid that has a suburban life, you know, they're going to go to TGI Fridays. They're going to have their chicken fingers. They're going to have their mashed potatoes. They're going to have their noodles with a, a butter. A kid that travels, they're not going to have that option. You're taking that option away from them. Think about the experiences that she's having. It's not that Sesame Street in front of the TV, yeah. right? It's literally you're in, on, on a calle, right? Yeah. Uh, you're on a playa. You know, you've got a, a, an abuela. You've got a tia. You know, you're listening to a song that's in Spanish. Like it's, it's, she it, does all the time. Yeah, and that's, that's something that that's the best education you can give a kid is that worldly education. Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I'm trying to talk my wife into homeschooling to where we're only teaching her two to three hours a day, and then she's getting like a cultural immersion in the afternoon, which I think, like you're saying, is the best education. But my wife seems opposed. I don't think she realizes that the eight or nine hours we spend in a school is is just wasting time it's just babysitting because we need a place for kids to go while yeah. the parents go and make the dough right right well i mean it's so also like teaching you're, that much you're getting them prepared for uh, a corporate culture right so to speak like they're they're taking standardized tests and they're getting praised for standardized behavior mm. right they're not thinking outside of the box mm. and that's that's the one thing that i've been able to do to my detriment and to my salvation is being able to think outside of, like, here's the box. I've never fit in the box. I am always outside of the box. And question things, right? Like, you know, maybe maybe she goes to Russia and she goes, you know what? I don't believe what they're saying about Russia because I've met Russian people. Two years ago, we were all wearing masks. We all wear masks. I mean, I'd, I'd go to the gym, you'd have your temperature check. Now you walk around Houston, unless you're, going, unless you're flying an airplane, I don't see a lot of masks. And even that is going away on many airlines. Right, right. And But, you know, two years ago, I mean, you know, and, and that's part of the reason I didn't have a TV, because you know, that mass hysteria around COVID. When I moved down to Houston, Houston was a hotspot of COVID. And I had friends of mine that were you know, like, you're signing your death sentence. Mm. Here I am two years later. Yeah, I, I had some symptoms, and I caught it for a little bit, but I was able to get through it, right? And now it's like, okay, now we've gotten through it. And my biggest concern for my kids is the socialization. Because they got that, there's two years of their life that got interrupted. Well, in two years for, how old is your youngest? The twins are 13, Phoebe and Felicity. Okay. And so they've been talking since they were, what, three, let's say? Yeah. So 10 years, two years out of 10, that's 20% of their life that's been taken from them from a socialization aspect. But think about this. They, they, like my daughter Felicity struggled with homeschooling 
and zoomed. Like she got anxious. And I see your point. I see your point about school. The only thing that I would say is the socialization. Like if you can have the, your, and, and I'm sure you'll find a way to have your kids socialized, right? The, the hardest part is the reason why you and I succeed is you can throw us anywhere, literally anywhere. Like we've had conversations, you know, we've been fish out of water, whatever, 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 all throughout our lives, right? Now you take that away. Like my, my kids couldn't play soccer for a year and a half or whatever it was. My kids couldn't play basketball. My daughter couldn't perform in, in her theater. That's, that to me is more important in some cases, the socialization, or they'd have to have, you know, um, Zoom. God, I hate Zoom. Like, I hate, I hate, like, I'm actually looking forward to being in an office when I get down to Florida, uh, Miami, because I hate, I hate that those interact, like, you can't tell if somebody's paying attention. You can't. Yeah, you can't tell if people are making eye contact, right? Cause they're on their looking, phone, because I'm on my phone, right? Yeah. They're playing Wordle, they're doing this, and that's, that's, and that's, you know. And, and, but I mean, even if they are paying attention to you, you're looking, a lot of people are looking at themselves, but even if you were looking into the right camera you don't know if they're making eye contact am i making sense yeah yeah to me you are and 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 it's also like you know what you're saying about your phone these kids are getting phones they're not getting phones nobody gets a phone to make phone calls anymore right like nobody gets phone calls anymore like nobody gets mail anymore nobody gets personalized emails anymore right i gotta you know for, for the podcast i get a personalized email from you but you know Everything now is is, 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 is is text. You know, hey, H, HBU, YD, what are you doing? WYD, what are you doing? <laughs> and, I, I, you know, like, but it, it, that skill that we grew up, like, like cursive, that skill, like, I wonder how that's going to affect them in 10 years. And then you take the socialization aspect of school, like going to recess or going to gym class or eating lunch together. My brother has two sons. I always wanted a son. In fact, by default, I would say, well, when he gets to be 13 or when his time for braces comes, it just automatically came out of my mouth. I don't know. I, I just always envisioned myself having a boy to the point that when my mother-in-law found out we were having a girl, she asked my, my wife if I was upset. Now that I have a girl, I don't want a boy. Right. I mean, I just <laughs> love it. I love it. She, she's daddy's little princess. Oh, she's dude. she's the princess. She does things that if I If she braids your hair, in. you're going to be like this. Thank you so much, sweetie. Thank. If she wants to paint your toenails, you'll be like, I'm wearing pink toenails tomorrow. Thank you so much. Well, when she sees my toes now, she walks up to him and she goes, Oh and I don't know God. what she's doing. I, but it doesn't matter. She's like tickling them or it doesn't I don't matter. Know what she's it's doing. a Brad. It doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. That's the point. It, yeah. Who cares? But that's beautiful. Like it's that's beautiful, and it gives me an opportunity to give other people smiles by taking her in the stroller, knowing that she's going to be waving at people and making somebody's day. You know what I mean? The story you told me about being in the elevator with a Russian lady. You know, because, cause, like, let's face it, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, I, I, honestly, there are days I'm just like, I don't want to talk to certain days. For, yeah. Yeah, we all have those Yeah, days. but if you have an icebreaker like a kid and, and they start waving, it's, a, it's the best natural icebreaker. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, but she, 
she has so many opportunities to make somebody's day just by, like, if I whisper in her ear, give Harry a kissy, and she'll blow you a kiss. And it's oh, like, my God. Oh, oh Brad, you, you just made my day. Yeah. That's pure. Like, that is so pure. The fact that she has given me an opportunity to make someone else's day brings me so much joy. That's pure. That's I pure happiness. Love it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Keep your boy, God. <laughs> Talking to God in front That's of somebody. That's all right. That's I've never okay. Done that before. I'm blessed. I have three three girls and 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 Oh, you, you do. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, so my daughters, they were all born in Houston, okay. right? Uh-huh. Francis's middle name uh, was Scargo after Lake Scargo in Cape Cod. Ah, okay. The twins, and you can Google this, are Phoebe Boston and Felicity Houston. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, but that that's Texas is a part of my life. Texas yeah. is a part of their life, you know. And and yeah, I'm from Massachusetts and all that stuff, but like there's so much and I'm not even I don't consider myself a Texan at all, but I appreciate everything that Texas has to offer. You know, we had this conversation. Like it's 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 a great place to be. And you said your kids, the twins, their Instagram is at strings by P and F. Is that an and sign or is it strings by the letter P and A and D F? Yeah, it's, okay. it, it's Phoebe and Felicity. They're athletes and they, they all get straight A's, which I don't know. Okay. I want a genetic test on Why that Why should I follow them? Because they're cute. They, okay. they, they, they come up as, as a marketing person. Yeah. Brad, they, they do some interesting stuff. Like okay. they, they, the way they use social media is so much different than the way we use social media. Okay. I could uh, probably learn a thing. Or yeah. You, you, you know, that's the thing. Why should my wife follow them? Because they're cute. They come up with cute little strings and bracelets that you can buy on Etsy. You know, they don't have jobs yet. But they're they're trying to make themselves uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah, like a little, you know, you had a lemonade stand, you delivered yeah. papers, you did this, you know, you worked at Burger King. That's what they're looking to do. I bought packs of ba- I bought boxes of baseball cards for forty dollars, and I would sell the thirty six packs for two dollars a pack. Right, so I'd make thirty two dollars. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like an eighty percent return. I would just eat the gum. <laughs> I would just eat the gum and then be like, why am I big? Do you provide them with a little seed money? I do, yes. yeah. yeah. What I'll do is I'll, I'll buy, I'll promote, I'll ask them if they need anything. They, they're, they're like, no, Dad. Because I, I, they're twins, and they do a lot of bracelets, and, and I, 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 gave, I, I tried to give them some business advice. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they poo-pooed that. They were like, no, Dad. You know, if, if people have bought from them and they have like – they'll include a, a personalized note. <clears throat> and I'm like, wow, that is unbelievable. The power of personal notes. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I could talk about it all day. But, you know, the elder George Bush attributes his ascendance through the ranks. He was VP, of course. Right. He was head of the CIA. He was president of the United States. Yeah. He says handwritten personal notes are what got him there. Right. Right. And that's that's that what they that, that's what they've done. I mean, they personalize their notes. It's the roots of small business, you know. And and they're learning what they're learning there can't be taught. They're learning marketing. They're learning pricing. They're learning customer service. They're learning uh, all sorts of different things, you yeah. know. 
And the idea of business school is almost a joke. The idea of college now is is a joke. Yeah. In some cases, I I, I can see why I can see why people don't go to college. Like you'd want the guy doing surgery on your brain to have gone to college. Yeah. But otherwise, I yeah. Mean, there are a few professions that college would be a necessity, but. Golly, there's a lot of shit out there that you do not need to go into debt for. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, sales, like what we do. I mean, I, yeah. could have, I could have done this out of high school. Yeah, and I do think that one of the ways when they get a stack of 50 resumes, one of the ways that they weed them out is, does this guy have a degree? No? Okay, put him on the R- side. Right, right, right. And it's ridiculous because you probably, you might have just passed on Harry Corsell and not known it. They, they did that on purpose, Brad. It's okay. Yeah, you know, you know what? I, I mean, I've had friends of mine uh, that have gone to Harvard and are struggling. And I've had friends of mine that, that uh, never went to college and just found their niche in life and, and just have gone with it. And now with social media, you know, you were talking about the podcast, especially with comedy. You don't need to be, uh, you don't need to go up through the club ranks anymore. You can go up and, 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 and get a following on Instagram. Like you need a thousand followers. You need a hundred followers. You need 50 followers. And you can make a decent living off of that. Yeah. Let's keep with quick questions. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. If you could spend a day with Dustin Pedroia or David Ortiz. Oh, Big Poppy. He owns Boston. Okay. If you could spend a day with Big Poppy or Tom Brady, who would it be? Big Poppy. He's more fun. He's more fun. He's more Brady's Brady Brady is 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 you're not gonna have beers with Brady. Brady has shown some personality on Twitter. You're not on Twitter. No, I'm not on Twitter. But okay. but, but you know, I mean, you know, Brady is Brady. Brady is Brady, right? Okay. Big Big Poppy, you're gonna have like you can't go wrong. He's fun. Like he's just big smile, big home run hitter. He's fun. I mean, I would rather be with Big Poppy than than. than don't get me wrong. I'd love to be with Brady, but I think uh, Big Poppy's a lot more fun. Jeter was my guy, and then I grew up with Lou Maloney. And okay. so he, he came up with the Red Sox. Yeah. He's out of Framingham. And he was he was like, like he would bring in Nomar Garcia Para into a, a little package store uh, called Garbrino's Package Store in Framingham. And then Nomar went out to be Nomar. But he, at that point, he was just like some guy that he brought in. When did you lose the accent? I noticed you don't say Nomar. Depends on how many beers I drink. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I was in ninth grade. And I was talking to the coolest kid in class in the ninth it, it grade It wasn't class. you? No, no, no. I was new kid, okay, new school. Okay, 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 yeah. I said to him, hey, bro, you got a quarter? Yeah. And he goes, are you, are you black? I was like, no, but do you have that quarter or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just the way I said, bro, you got a quarter. Right. And he, he was like. Yeah, don't talk to me like that, bro. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, you know, and that's 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 where the you know you got to fit in, right? So one, what I did actually, I had another girl that said, "Why do you talk so slow?" This was probably a year and a half later, and the reason was because people couldn't understand me because of how fast I was talking. Right. And to give you an example, I changed my name from Bradley to Brad. When I moved to Texas, because okay. I got tired of correcting people. Right. So where I'm from in South Louisiana, they drop the D, and I'm just Bradley. Okay. And so when I'm asked my name in Texas, 
and I tell them, and they say, "Would you say Brad?" And I would, I was just like, "Yeah." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier that way. And then yeah. I became Brad. Wow. Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah. You have a favorite book? You know, I'll, I'll go to the Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. It just kind of encapsulated a lot of what I what I what I believe in. You know, the hero's journey. It's a conversation between him and Bill Moyers, and I've given that book out to a number of diff- my my different friends. You know, the you know, being alive, uh, flow by by my uh, Mikhail Chaminsky is obviously up there as well. Just different books at different times that I've read, and I'm like, yes. oh my god, yeah. It goes into like really. You know, as a as a salesperson or as a comic, there's only so many stories you can tell, right? Man versus man, man versus food, and even as a comic, I was just having this conversation. There's only so many jokes you can tell, and it's and it's it's about differentiating yourself. And so now that I'm as I'm getting older, I look for the differentiators. That's so interesting. You think there's that stories are finite? That there are so many stories because. You could create a story from just this conversation, like just the what you did today. That could be a story. Yeah, that could be a story. But like the good stories, there's going to be some tension, right? Like, oh, I see. Like you're not going to be like, oh, I went to the grocery store and I had a great day. Mm-hmm. Like I went to the grocery store, my bank got, got card got hacked. I only have seven dollars in my account, and I've got to pay rent tomorrow. That's a story. Not like I've got $80,000 in my bank account. I bought eggs. I overpaid for eggs. I went home. Who cares about that? It's funny you're saying this because I just had a story pop up on my Facebook that was a reminder of eight years ago or something. Yeah. And I remember that conversation with that. It's me holding my nephew. And he had just told a story to a room full of groomsmen. And I told him, I said, Noah. You always ask yourself before you tell a story, is this story worth telling? Right, right. You know, like when you went to Mexico, right, and you were telling the story about the cab driver, and you showed him the text to the police guy, that's a story. Like we've all, That's a relatable story. Like, we've all been there. We've all had to be like, oh, I've got the proof that this is an open and shut case. Yes. I've got this, 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 and this. Yes. You know, and this is somebody you trusted. It's, 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 it reminds me of the story of the, um, it's a fable, right? I love fables. It's a, it's a tortoise and a scorpion. They want to cross the river. And the tortoise goes to the scorpion, you're not going to sting me. And the scorpion goes, no. And then halfway through the, the trip, the scorpion stings him. And he goes, what do you expect? I'm a scorpion. That's in my nature, right? People are going to reveal themselves. Yes. People are going to reveal themselves. So that cab driver... They're going to reveal themselves time and time again. That's their true nature. Are you familiar with Michael Malice? No. He quotes this a lot, and I love it. He says, when I am weaker than you, I ask you for freedom because that is according to your principles. Right. When I am stronger than you, I take away your freedom because that is according to my principles. I just found that to be appropriate. I find that to be extremely appropriate. If you were forced to live the rest of your life in an American city that is not Boston, what would it be? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Do you have a favorite podcast? A lot of sales podcasts. So A lot of sales podcasts? Yeah, I'm always trying to... That's my craft. 
Right. Uh, my craft is is sales, so I'll I'll listen to Challenger podcast. I'll listen to the Challenger podcast. Yeah, on, on the Challenger sale. Oh, that's my favorite sales book. I consider it the Bible of sales. Yeah, yeah, and Sandler and all that stuff. So yeah. I'm I, I consider it the, the the Bible of sales too. But I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I don't listen to Bill Burr. If you were a Jeopardy contestant and you got to choose the final category, what would you choose? Places I've been to for a hundred. I don't know. You know, places I, I've been to. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm really good at trivia. I don't know. I, you know, I'd, I'd say '80s music. I'm really good with '80s, 80s music. Yeah, I'm really good with '80s music. Okay. Like I can hear three notes and be like, "Oh, that's this song. That's that song." Like I'm a, a, a like an idiot savant when it comes to '80s music. What about you? What would you? What would be your choice? It'd have to be something to do with sports. Yeah. Just because I was obsessed with it as a kid, and people are impressed with what I remember about 80s and 90s. A lot of it has to do with Nintendo, like yeah. RBI Baseball. Yeah. I mean, you remember all the players because of that. If I said, follow the Moskva down to Gorky Park. Yeah, that's the Scorpions. Yeah, that's the song you just mentioned. Yeah, there's a podcast on it. And I listened okay. to it, I think it was two so summers. what is the Moskva? The Moskva is the river. And it talked about the way. I haven't heard the podcast in a couple of years, but it, it, there was some connection between the managers and all that sort of stuff, and the CIA somehow got involved, and it helped to overthrow the Russian government. Get out. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So it helped lead to the, Bur- the fall, Union. Yeah, the, the fall, fall of the Berlin, Berlin Wall. Wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the Scorpions were like the biggest German band ever. I didn't uh, know and, that. And again, it kind of goes, and I, you know, I don't know how true it is, but there's a certain element that we're being manipulated. And that's really what I got out of that podcast. We're being bombarded by manipulation. It's everything. Okay. Whether it's, it's advertising, whether it's a TV show, whether it's, 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 it's a certain book or certain things. Like we're being bombarded and, and manipulated by everybody. Well, and the internet has illustrated this, right? I mean, the fact that I couldn't send you that article on Biden's son's laptop in the days leading up to the election, that would be the equivalent of in 1966, I couldn't send you a letter in the mail that included that article from the newspaper. Any, here's what the internet has done. Before the internet, there were facts, like actual facts. You know, you could argue them or whatever. Now, any point that you want to make, you can make because of, so if you can be pro-choice or pro-life, right? And the facts are there on, 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 on both sides, Right. You can be pro-Ukraine or anti or pro-Russia, and the internet will give you the argument for both sides. Yeah, and is that based on your previous search history? Or no, it's just it, it, just what, from what I see on. I'm oh, sorry about That's that. Right. Yes, you know it's, it, it. It really is. It, when I see it most is in election time. Yeah, you know, it, there's so many people that are just so pro one party or another. And they're going to have the facts surrounding that party, and that's it. And you're not going to be able to change their mind whatsoever. But they want to have 
they want to have the ability to change your mind. You have to have, where, where's the news coming from? You almost have to choose someone that you trust. And some people are going to trust Tucker Carlson. Others are going to trust Rachel Maddow. Yeah, yeah. Al Jazeera, you know, like I'll go on their, on, on, their, on their newspaper every once in a while. You know why? Mm. Because it's so outside of everything that's being reported here that there's going to be elements of truth here. New York Times, I love the New York Times, right? I've got to get back into reading the New York Times. I think it's, it, it's or the Washington Times, right? It, it, it's non-partisan, right? Other newspapers, you can see the slant. Like, you absolutely see the slant, right? Um, CNN and, and MSNBC, I mean... What, what's the news there? And how much of it is actual news and how much of it is, is manipulation or opinion? Well, nowadays it's basically 99% right. or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but that's what people don't get. You know, the people that were saying, well, MSNBC said this or, or, or CNN said this, those facts are both slanted. Yeah. I can't believe, well, I guess I can believe that someone would say to in today's day and age, well, CNN said this. Right. As, and then try to pawn off a fact. Right. That's kind of weird. Right, right. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it, you, you've got to go in with, with, with you know, a little bit of cynicism, right? Like, yeah. where is this coming from? On, on both sides, on both the liberal yeah. and, and the Democrat. I, I consider myself apolitical. Like I really, 95% of what happens out there doesn't affect me. It, it really doesn't. And it won't. And it, it never will. Yeah. It ne- I, if, if Biden, there's no difference that I see if Biden's president or if Trump's president or if, who, you know, like all the, all, they're very similar, right, to me. And I, and, and I don't want to get into it, but there's not a lot of differences. You don't want to get into it. Why? <sighs> Ignorance is bliss. Mm. Okay. You know, like I'm the happiest I've ever been. Because I don't get into these arguments. That's a good point. You know. Okay. Like, well, I won't get you into. No, that. No, I'm sure you could. I'm sure. I could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I. I, 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 I and, and, and for the most part, Brad, because you're an educated guy, I'll be like, you know what? You got a good point. Yeah. And then I'd have to think about it a couple of days, and then I'd be like, all right, yeah, he's got a good point here. Maybe he's off a little bit on here, and this one he's way off for 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 my own taste, right? Sure. But again, doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It's you have a different view. You grew up in Louisiana. You grew up in Southern Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Your viewpoint of life, for me, growing up in Boston, mm-hmm. totally different. Like you, you assume I, I like Dustin Pedroia. Okay, I've, he's a good baseball player. But for me, if I had to start a baseball team, first first draft choice of players I know, Big Poppy. Okay. Well, I was close. Yeah, you were a Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but you know, you you don't. Well, dude, I pretty much nailed that. No, you did. You nailed it. (laughs) There was only two choices. You know, Roger Clemens, Big Poppy, or 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 Pedroia, Veritek, Pedro Martinez. Oh, Martinez was a god. Yeah, that team that won in two thousand four, and this is what I loved them. They were the Cowboy Up team. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, they called themselves the biggest bunch of idiots. <laughs> they call themselves the biggest bunch of idiots. Like that's that to me is base. That's that's pure baseball. What is it about '80s music? Is it the the diversity, or the fact that MTV came along and made it visual? Yeah, I think that's that's it's, it's part of it. You know, I think it was so simple. You know, like like I you know, I love rap, right? Yeah. 
I so can, Run DMC was a oh, big yeah, deal. Oh yeah, Run DMC. The Out, hair bands though were just as good, like Poison. Yeah, Poison Rat, all that. You know, Def uh, Leppard. Def, Def Leppard. My, you know, I went to Van Hagar, uh, Walking on Sunshine. Like you, it makes you think back to like where were you? Like yeah. you, you know, like you said, you know, like eighth, you'd wait for Thriller to come home. Yeah. I was in eighth grade. I was in seventh eighth grade when, yeah. when when that album came out, and literally you could go through and be like, yeah, Pyt, this song, that song, mm, Pyt. Uh, yeah, you know, and but but it was it was a, a it was a whole. And you know what's great about music? Artists are making a big mistake nowadays, and I don't know if they realize it or not, but. Music used to be what it meant to you, right? Right. When you hear Pretty Young Thing, you think about your time in eighth grade and right. maybe a Pretty Young Thing that you were after. Uh, they were all Pretty time. Young Things in eighth grade. I was a big Belle Biv DeVoe fan. Yeah, BBD, yeah, yeah. And that girl is dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a girl that I think of when I think well, It's of, a time machine. Yeah. It's a time machine. My, my, uh, I, I went to high school with, with guys that grew up with New Edition. And so New Edition just did a oh, big... Oh, Ralph T. and Johnny Yeah, King. I'm friends with Ralph T. on Facebook. He's got no idea who I am. Get out. Yeah, my buddy Walter and, and, and uh, some other guy that I went to high school with, they were Metco kids. They were black kids that they used to bring in out to the suburbs. Uh-huh. And they were friends with Belle Piv DeVoe and New Edition. Somehow, and my buddy Joe Carlin ran into uh, Ralph at a Dunkin' Donuts in Jamaica Plain, and I'm, I found him on Facebook through one of my other friends, and I just I sent him a friend request, and he accepted, and then I get to see the new edition, oh, Bobby cool. Brown, all that stuff. You Bobby know, like, B. Yeah, you know. That, that tape with Bobby B when he's got the gold watch and the gray suit. Yeah. Probably one of my favorites My prerogative. My prerogative. Like, that whole album... The truth about Aroni. Oh, Jesus, Jesus stop. Right. I gotta go. I gotta I'm like chills. Oh my god. And you grew up in southern Louisiana. Yeah. That's the connection. Mm. That's the connection. Like you can be that's what people are missing these days. Like that I, I try to listen to rap. You know, I went out with my friends yesterday. I had no idea what any of the songs were. At really? all. At all. Well, let me introduce you to a few because I have some younger friends. I, this is one of the reasons I'm such an advocate for having friends of all ages. Yeah, yeah. It used to be, did you know Clayton Dorsett? I don't. Okay, so he came to Idera after you left, once we were in the AIG building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you gone by then? I was at Semantic at that time. Okay, yeah. so he came, and, and he gave me a playlist. And he actually, I posted on Facebook one day that I needed help moving. How many people out of a hundred would would jump at that opportunity? I got boxes right here. Right, <laughs> zero. Zero. Right. Well, he sent me a message and said, "Hey, I'd be happy to help you move." Yeah, that's and a friend. That that's a friend. friend. And I hadn't seen him in years. And I took him to Salada. He wouldn't take payment. He back in this must have been 2013 sent me a list. And it was just fire. The list yeah. was so good. Yeah. And so a friend that can provide you with good music is worth his weight in gold. Well, that's... that's. But I could give you some rap. I'm sure. Com- that... Comedy keeps me young because I'm around younger people. Yeah, I could see that. Like, it, uh, it, it's, it's not about being the funniest anymore or trying to get a sitcom deal. Like, for me, I can relate, like, to younger people. You know, guys in their 20s, guys in their 30s, guys who are just struggling in yeah. life guys who are doing well in life you know yeah. guys 
and 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 just like like I said, I'm at different clubs with different music all the time. Well, dude, my brother took me to Rogan. And I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. no, no, please. My brother took me to see Rogan in New Orleans with Chappelle. Rogan was with Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know we were also getting the roaster guy who's awesome. Dave Attell. Dave. No. Dave. Uh, I know who you're talking the about. Guy David Ross. Ross. David Ross. Yeah. Thank you. Ross yeah. is yeah. his name. They were so good. They were all so good. They must have had a lineup of six or seven people. You know who the best was? No. Joe Rogan. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. He was better than Chappelle because Chappelle, at the time, I think this is September of last year, he had just got caught up in the, the transgender. Yeah, he, he told a joke. And, and, and like, so he's, the guy, he's, he's like the OG, right? Like he is the goat of comedy. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I would say Bill Burr and, and Chappelle are one and two. Um, and, and I say Bill Burr because I, 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 I kind of know, I know him, right? I know, I know him a little bit. Like he recognizes who I am. We had a conversation, you know, about when we, some of the clubs we started at with like years ago, like 20 years ago, Daisy That's Buchanan. Awesome. And so, but Chappelle, like he is the consummate pro. Like he, he can just, he, he lives to be on stage. Bill Burr is a worker. Like Bill mm. Burr is is methodical. Bill Burr has a set list. Bill Burr like Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, but Bill Burr like Seinfeld was a, a writer. Bill Burr is 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 you know he'll go into the crowd. He'll he'll you know he goes off the cuff sometimes, mm. but he's always honing his craft. Like he's always looking at videos. He's always doing this. You know he's he's, he's he had a lint roller before he went on stage at the Boston <laughs> Garden. Nobody could fucking see. He's wearing a black shirt. Nobody is going to be. Those lights are so bright. Nobody's going to be able to see it. But that's the level of attention that he was paying before the before the show. But yeah, I couldn't believe that Joe Rogan was the funniest. Joe Rogan started off in Boston and he, and he was filthy. He was known as a filthy comic. Then he went out and he went out to L.A. and he did sitcom news radio, uh-huh. and that's where he got a little bit of heat. And he was also a martial artist. Like, he would tell my friends back in Boston, like, this is so easy. Like, anybody could do this. Yes and no. It's like, you, you, you know, you meet a baseball player. It's like, what do you mean you can't hit a home run 400 feet? Like, it's easy. Right? Yes and no. You know, you got to have the genetics. you got to have timing. you got to have the mental aptitude for it. But Rogan got on news radio, and then he was able to build on that. He was doing the MMA stuff after that. Fear factor. So he's always put himself in the, in the, in the spotlight. And then it wasn't until the like his podcast is 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 unbelievable. Like that's it's it's the it's it's today's generation ver- version of of the Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show. It's good, good analogy. Yeah, I was so impressed that Joe Rogan was the best of that lineup, and the goat is in that lineup. But he was in a tough spot in his life. I mean, he had gone through it like the day before or two days before. And that's, that's you have to be in that as a performer, as a player, as, a, as an athlete, as a salesperson, as a father, like you have to be, like you have to be healthy. And that's why I came to Houston mm. was to get healthy so that I could put myself in that spot. Good point. Because if you're not healthy mentally and physically, it's going to show up. It's going to manifest itself somehow. It showed up. And it was the first thing he talked about. And it was like he was trying to get it out because it was the elephant in the room. Right. But he ended up, making it 40% of his act right. and it was just well, that's, not it's, funny it's, and stand up is cathartic 
storytelling is cathartic. Like when I'm going through stuff, you know, the first thing I did was 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 when I broke up when Amanda and I broke up. You know, I had Amanda jokes, and uh, <coughs> it it helped. It's my coping mechanism. It helps me heal. It's how I connect with people, and that's why I've done so well at, at sales. That's why I can go. That's why I can go. I have no fear about going to Miami, because I lived in Brooklyn. If you could go anywhere for two weeks, where would it be? Anywhere in the world. Uh, Disney with my kids. With your kids. Yeah. So I'm holding out on Disney and I'm holding out on the zoo. Let me tell you why. Please. So many people, Candace Hunter is one of them, who have told me that their kids enjoyed the pool in Florida more than Disney. Yeah. And Disney is very expensive. So it's almost like re-gifting taking what you gave your one-year-old for her first birthday and then giving that same gift for her second birthday. Right, right, right. I kind of think of Disney the same way, like take her but know that she's going to get more out of the pool yeah, or more out of the box than the gift. So I'm cognizant yes, of that. Yes, yes, yes. I like the box gift, yeah. I refuse to take my daughter to the zoo, and I'm, it's going to be tough to rein in grandma and everybody to get on board with me. But when I went to Zambia on safari, it wasn't the wow that I was expecting, and it was because I had been to zoos all my life. So I'm looking at giraffes and elephants and yeah. hippos and stuff, and I'm like, I've seen all this. I stayed in a chalet on the water and in the water with your hippos and crocs living together. And I mean, it was like 500 of each. Wow. And it was pretty cool to sit over the water on the balcony and, and watch them, but it didn't have the same impact that yeah. it would have had had I not gone to the zoo. Right. So I'm going to try to have my daughter's first experience with these animals in their habitat. Yeah, that makes that, that, yeah when you break it down like that... It makes a lot more sense. Think about it. Like, have you ever been doing an experience and you're like, this is going to be the greatest experience of my life? And New Year's is like that. Mm-hmm. Every New Year's is like that. Yeah. yeah, this year's going to be different. I'm going to go to this big New Year's party. It's going to be the best experience of my life. And then you get there and it's like, ugh, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> new drunk people, you know, they run out of food. They, they, they fail to, 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 to do the 10, 9, 8, countdown the right way. <laughs> you know? Amateur hour. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's it. But in your mind, you're like, oh, my God, New Year's. I've got to spend X amount on New Year's. It's going to be the best. You know, you, you believe the hype. Yeah. No, you're right. Would you rather win a national championship or a gold medal? A national championship. I mean, okay. I think, you know, I mean, I played Division three college. We were horrible, but... I think the team, you know, when I think about the college, the guys I played basketball with, like we were, we were so, you, you, and you played baseball. Like a gold medal is like, I think of the dream team. Like yeah. it's the best of the best. And they're going to be together for a season, right? Which is that, that championship season. Like, you know, when you, when you win a national championship, that's a process. You start off freshman year, you suck. Sophomore year, you get a little bit better. Junior year, you make the playoffs. Then it's your senior year, and it all kind of gels together. And, you know, like I, I watch NCAA basketball. Any team can get hot at the right time mm. and and make that run. Yeah. My wife plugged 
for her. She picked North Carolina to win the whole thing this year in the bracket. Yeah. Damn near won the bracket. Yeah. They were an eight seed. Well, what about that? Uh, the, the the fighting peacocks out of New Jersey or whatever they were. The guy just got a job at Seton Hall, and he was uh, I forget who the team was. It was like in St. Joseph's or whatever. But there's always that team that has that run. Yeah, it's always bothering that, me that I can't think of the I name. I can't think of it either. Uh, it was a bird. It was a team that had never been in there. They were the number sixteen pick. They were out of New oh, Jersey. They, the, they were St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got hot at the right time. Yeah. They got hot at the right time. Yeah. yeah. Those kids are never going to forget that run. Yeah. That's the beauty of basketball. That's the beauty of all sports. All sports. How you can not like sports is... And speaking of sales, one of the things I've been told is 86% of people are fans of sports. So you should be able to find common ground with sports. Brad, that's, that's, that's the common denominator. That is, that is the common... Den- like if... if even with the IT guys that we're speaking, who are the geekiest of the geeks, they will know enough about sp- it's. It's a common language, yep. right? Yeah. I met OJ on Leo's fiftieth birthday. OJ who? That OJ. That OJ. Yeah. So he, my buddy Leo, who is who is him and Gangster Fred are like the two toughest guys I know, pound for pound, like they're just beasts, right? Like. Those are two guys I, I, I'm glad I'm friends with because I wouldn't want to fight. And I've never gotten in a fight with either one. So he turns 50. We go out on a catamaran. And we, we, I get to his birthday party. He's living down in Tampa. I'm in the hotel. I'm in the Hilton. And I'm going up the elevator. And OJ walks into the elevator with me. He's got a guy. And I go, hi, I'm Harry. He goes, I'm OJ. Enveloped your hand? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, and he looks like he looks like he looks good. And I don't recognize anybody. And literally, like, you could be Brad Pitt, and I'd be like, who are you? Like, the, the, I just don't. But OJ. Like, it was OJ. Mm. The next day was Leo's 50th birthday party. It was like the hangover. Every time I hang out with Leo, it's like the hangover. They brought Leo in in a wheelchair, right? <laughs> he goes up to his room, takes a nap, wakes up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. OJ's in our hotel in the Hilton. Somehow he runs into OJ. Somehow he gets OJ's phone, his cell phone. And I hear a knock at, on my door at like 1 o'clock in the morning, right? I, I'm, I'm half in, half out, or 2 o'clock in the morning. He's got OJ's phone. The screensaver is a black and white picture of OJ and Nicole getting married. Oh, my. The phone ringtone was like, ooh, ooh, like very creepy. Mm-hmm. Very, very creepy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just telling Leo, I'm like, just get rid of the fucking phone. Just put it anywhere. Give it to the front desk. He's like, no, no, no. I, I, I want to make sure that OJ gets this. So the next day, we're going to meet at Starbucks. Then OJ changes the plans, and we meet, like, right in the middle of the hotel. Like, he's a legitimately tough kid, and, 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 and it's OJ. So you don't know what's, what's going to happen. <laughs> I'll say. Yeah, right. And This so- is post-conviction? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 okay. yeah. This was... This was Three years ago? Okay. So we meet in the middle of the hotel. OJ could not have been any nicer. Like, we were talking about Naked Gun three and a half and <laughs> the playing and all this. We're taking pictures with OJ. We give him back his phone. But it was, yeah, it was, it was. Did you post those? Because I don't I did, I did. When it, when it happened, I posted that. You mm-hmm. know, it was, like, this is the type of stuff that happens to me all the time. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's this, the horseshoe up your ass. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. th- those are the experiences like you can't put money on. Like, yeah. you know, so I, you know, I, I went to a Microsoft launch and, Bill, you know, I got introduced to Bill Gates, you know. Um, you know, I've been to football games with Gangs of Fred and literally I'm this far from Tom Brady. This far from Tom Brady. One time I did stand up in the Boston Marathon in front of, you know, thousands of people. These are the experiences that I somehow have gotten and I couldn't tell you how I got them. I want to go back to, we were talking about women, but you had great advice, which was, and I don't know if you said this explicitly, but I'm going to make it actionable advice to my audience if you didn't, which is travel with your woman before you marry her for sure. Yeah. Because you're going to face, as you said, unexpected BS. And you want to see how she handles that. You also want to know how you handle that. And vice versa, yeah, I was going to say. I, yeah, I think traveling, because of its nature, like I've got to move all this stuff to Miami, right? And so it's getting picked up on Tuesday, and it's getting shipped down to Miami. And, I've got, and I know I'm going to be driving down, and I hate driving. I can tell you right now, I'm going to get lost. Something's going to go wrong. But you know what? It's the journey, not the destination. It's being in the bus with a, a lady with a chicken and tamales, and it's, what am I going to see? Mm. Like, what am I going to see? What am I going to do? Like, what am I going to eat? You know, like, what, you know, like, what am I, it's the unknown. So journaling does this for me. Yeah. It makes you, it makes life pop. It makes you more aware. Right. And I'm sure comedy is that on steroids. It's my coping mechanism. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, no, I pay absolutely. attention because I'm going to be writing in my journal that night, but you might run into something that'll give you material that just kills oh, I know. on I, stage. I, I know I am. Yeah. I know I, 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 you know, I mean, you know, part of the allure was like my, my, my buddy Brett, we're trying to figure it out so that I can get on stage and I might go on and in New Orleans and just hit an open mic night. Like, I'm actually excited to see, like, if I get to go to Baton Rouge. You know, I'm a big basketball guy. I want to see where Pete Maravich played. Yeah, I want to see where Shaq played. I was having a conversation with my buddy Joe. We were talking about Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, right? Yep. I, I mean, that's culturally for me, that's that's like a pilgrimage. Like, that's my pilgrimage, right? Beautiful, man. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's how I'm embracing it. Living down by the Houston Astros, like, never... Seventh inning stretch, deep in the heart of Texas. Love that song now. Love that song. It's funny. My dad and I were just talking about on Easter Sunday. I must have been eight years old, and he said, there's something different about my son. What is it? And then he figured it out. It was I was shooting a jump shot, and nobody else was. And it was just I had the upper body strength, but I learned it from watching Chris Jackson. Oh, yeah. He was shooting jump shots, number 35 for LSU. This would have been like 1988. And then we argued over whether he was number three or number 35, and I said he was number 35. I haven't Googled it yet, so we'll know soon what he, number he was. He was still playing in the big three in that three-on-three basketball tournament, and I would tune in just to watch him. The big three being he, Shaq, and Stanley Roberts? No, no, no. The big three was a basketball three-on-three tournament that Ice Cube put together. Oh. for ex-players 
and he was playing he's been playing at age probably 55 56 and still dominating like i follow <laughs> he's one of those guys that i follow on facebook or or instagram or something yeah. and i find him because of what whatever he went through like he was the original colin kaepernick you know and he got ousted he got kicked out of denver it wasn't like colin kaepernick in the mid, like kneeling in the middle he was way off to the side kneeling Mm. And it was, and he was a Muslim, and he was religious. He's never recovered. He's never gotten the the, the recognition he deserves as a, as, a, as a as a basketball player. He was a stud. Yeah, he, Drazen Petrovic. Yeah, was from that era too. Maybe a little bit later, but he was the Croatian number three. Died in a car accident. Right, right, right. When I went to Croatia, everybody knew Drazen Petrovic and wanted to talk that's about sport. Him. That's sports. That's that's the commonality. Yes. It was very cool because I didn't realize in ninety two that we played Croatia in the final. The dream right. team did. Right. But everybody there knew it. And they knew Petrovic played in that game. He and Kukoc were the stud. And it all came back to me. I was like, oh I had forgotten about all of that. Right, right, right. But that's former Yugoslavia, now Croatia. Yeah. That's the commonality. Like when you travel and you talk to somebody, you know, and and you know, baseball, Miguel Cabrera in Venezuela, uh Oscar Schmidt in Argentina, it's the binding thread. Sports, yeah, yeah. brings us together. Yeah, or music, right? There was a CEO of a Beverly Hills, it was a boutique staffing company. And I asked her, she's about my age, I asked her, what's the biggest struggle among people in their 20s? And she said, writing by far. Writing is such an important skill that you and I know, and she said this, she said, that's where deals are done, a well-written email. A lot of times, building rapport is in the the shaking hands and kissing babies, but a well-written email... In today's business world is usually where deals get done. So you better learn to write. A lot of the people I coach are in their 20s. And she told me that people in their 20s, their biggest struggle is by far writing. So I told my kid, my 20-somethings, I said, I want you to send me a sample of your writing, and I'm going to look at it and edit it for you. And all these guys, I mean, I vet them. They're open to criticism they see it as feedback and data to be considered. And you, you have to be open to criticism. You have to be. So I wanted to read what the sample writing that this 20-something sent me. Yeah. Just to demonstrate to others what it looks like. Because this is about average what you would see. He says name. So he didn't want to say a name, but let's say Harry. Right. And then there's no comma, there's no semicolon, colon, nothing, just Harry. The next line, there's no skipping of a line. It says, great to hear you and your family are comfortable with your accounts, with your current accounts, and don't have any questions or concerns. Moving forward, I'm always trying to add to my bank of knowledge with the families I'm working with. I would love to get together soon with sales off the table to ask some questions to help me with my growing business. Be happy to work with someone of your caliber moving forward. If there is any, if there is anyone you know wanting to learn more of how I can help, please send them my way. Wishing y'all the best. Okay, so part of that is from my coaching, 
like the caliber thing. I have this dialogue that I use that I got from back when I was in real estate when I would part. Better, better to memorize a script. You're going to make the script your own, so it's not going to sound like a script. Right. But better to say this than spend $5,000 in marketing costs that go into a black hole, and you don't know if you're getting your return on investment. Right, but right. it goes like this. By the way, Harry, if you come across somebody of your caliber that would be interested in the level of service I provide, man, would you let me know? I'd really appreciate that. Brad, I can think of one person of my caliber that could probably use your services right now, and you're speaking with him. Okay. So I've used that dialogue 10,000 times. I've never said it the same way twice. Right. So I'm having these 20-somethings close their calls with me in May with that dialogue, their okay. version of that dialogue. So that said, he's one of them. He's a salesperson. So I said, above the line is the email you sent me. I'm going to make it better. Remember to remove yourself from the conversation. It's about them right, always. Right, yes, it yes. has nothing to do with you. Below the line is 10x better. I said, hi, Jim, comma, space. Great to hear from you today, period. And I'm glad your family finances are in order, period. Relative to guys in your situation, you're killing it or you're thriving or whatever. I, I don't yeah, know the do, guy. You're doing, it just you're doing depends well. Yeah, on yeah, the context. Yeah, yeah. And then the next paragraph, because I believe – Internet writing is different from what we were taught in school. Well, Internet writing paragraphs should be two to three sentences. At right, most. right, right, right. Well, a lot of it now is 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 text. It's text writing. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. It's it LOL. It's it's smiley face. It's yeah. you know. It, I mean, that's why. You, I mean, my grammar's always been horrible. Mm -hmm. um, but with the with with texting, you're golden. I'm still, you know. But it's it. it you're see. I have a friend of mine who's older. He was a CFO at a company, very bright guy. He texts like like a like the way it should be, semicolons and mm. proper punctuation and everything. Anybody that texts me that's under thirty, it's abbreviations. It's yeah. WYD. It's yeah. LOL. It's mm -hmm. this. But that's what's me. That's what's making it into emails. Yeah. Yeah, it's how many emails have you gotten with an emoticon or a smiley face? Well, I retired seven years ago, so like none. Even, even personally, spam emails, personal emails. I don't know, but I've gotten into sending a laughing emoji after I want to say something funny, and you know why? Because I've been on buses around the world, and yeah. I see girls texting. And they're texting 18 people at the same time. So they go, boom, and then they move that screen yeah. to the other app that they're texting with. They don't stop and think, oh, this is what Harry is trying to say. Right. So they're, that's part of why they're so literal is because they're not thinking, oh, this is how Brad is. This right. is what right. Brad right. means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, therefore, you have to put the LOL. You have to put the laughing face Otherwise, it's going to be misconstrued. Sarcasm doesn't get yeah. picked up in emails or, right. or, 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 or text. Right, especially yeah. text because, like I said, these young girls that are 24 years old, they're getting 17, 18 of them at a time. 
and they don't have time to think, well, what does Harry mean by that? Right, right. No, even, just, even people our age, like I, I will expressively say mm-hmm. LOL. I will expressively I say. Too. Yeah. Now yeah. I do. Yeah. Otherwise, they're like, what do you mean you want to kill babies in China? Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next, so I said, great to hear from you today, and I'm glad your family finances are in order. Relative to guys in your, in your situation, you're doing really well. But I want you to know if you ever face uncertainty in the future or feel less than completely satisfied with the level of service you're being provided by blank, yeah. you know where to find me. Sincerely, whoever, cell phone underneath that. Perfect. You're building a relationship. That's what people don't get. So, yeah, so his email is very common where they just say the name, they don't put a comma, uh, the next line is there's no space between what do they call it a salutation yeah yeah, yeah. Greeting, yeah and the next and the next there's no I mean look at that there's no yeah separation between the the paragraph yeah, and it's rare in today's day and age because everybody thinks they know it all and I don't know if that's Google in their pocket at all times no, I don't know what it is it's it's, it's ego. I ask for the negative feedback first. Like, mm. what, what, can I, what can I improve on? What can I get better? Whether it's an athlete or a performer or a salesperson, like, we're all our harshest critics mm-hmm. because we want more. Like, I'm sure you listen to your podcast differently than I will. Like, I'm mm. going to listen to this podcast and I'm like, okay, I was pretty entertaining. You're going to listen to this podcast and I'm like, what questions could I have asked? Mm. What could I have done better? What could I have interjected? What could I have edited this? Because it's your livelihood. It's so funny you say that because when you started talking about that, I went, hmm, I shouldn't have done that. And so I backed away because the listener doesn't want to hear the host go, hmm, after everything you said. Yeah, but it's a process, right? Right. It's, it, 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 it's, it, it's a process. And for me, being here and you going, hmm, it means I hit a certain point, right? Like I, yeah, I, I made you, but think, I don't want to overdo it. Right. But I made you think about something that you normally wouldn't have thought of. True, right. True. And, and, and so, and you're acknowledging and it's tough. And I see what the audience is saying. You're like, I don't want to hear Brad say, mm, like that's just, mm, you know, but as a guest, that means a lot. Mm. Okay. Stop, stop that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can overdo it. No, no, no. Because didn't, was didn't. that last one worth it? The yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It's at the end of the day, it's a conversation, yeah. right? At the end of the day, this podcast is a conversation and a great conversation, right? And and I just I, I really enjoyed being on this podcast. Like this has been like, if I were to think of a way to end my stint in Houston, this is it. Oh man! No, seriously, insane, like, like you know, because you. you, you know, you saw the evolution of of where I came from when I got here thirteen years ago, fifteen years ago, right? We worked at Idea together, and I've seen your evolution. You went from being a, a, a cocky little sales guy, and I was a cocky little sales guy, and now you've carved out this non-traditional life. And I I look at it and I go, wow. And then I look at what I've done in Houston over the past two years, and you were the, one of the first guys I ran into at the gym and everything that you said to me two years ago or nearly two years ago about Houston being a great space and a great place, but there's also other things. So I think this is a good way to encapsulate everything I've learned here. That is beautifully said. Friends, you just heard Harry say that this podcast was a great way 
for him to end his stint in Houston. And I couldn't think of a better way to close this episode, so that's where I left it. One thing you notice, there's a common thread among my successful buddies that I've had on the show. I don't know if you notice what it is, but I'll tell you if not. And it's a strong willingness to serve others. I see it in Harry. You heard him talk about Al-Anon, which I wasn't aware of until I looked it up afterward. But it's Partners of Alcoholics, and that's service. I like the fact that Harry talked about journaling and how it forces you to be a grateful person and not comparing yourself to others. Journaling, I believe, almost requires that you compare yourself to yourself. And maybe the greatest reason to be a quote-unquote success or perhaps the most rewarding part of having successes is it then gives you the opportunity to coach others on how you did it. And I have no doubt in my mind that as we talked about happiness, that the majority of happiness comes from subtraction, more so than addition, especially as you get older. So simplifying your lifestyle is something we talked about. If you can simplify your life as much as you can while still being happy, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's enough is what you want to get to. And so many people don't know what enough is. And so they continue to chase air. But mentoring others is something Harry is doing now and I just love that and I loved being a part of this episode you hopefully enjoyed it and if you did I want you to copy the link and please share it with a friend thank you for tuning in I never take it lightly that you've taken your time to listen to the show and uh, this was this was I really enjoyed this one I mean Wrigley Field Fenway Park there was even an emotional part of it. Do you remember when Harry's voice cracked? And then he talked about taking his kids to Disney World if I gave him two weeks to do anything he wanted to do. That's what he said. He'd take his kids to Disney, and I thought that was beautiful too. So beautiful episode, hilarious episode, informative. I learned a lot. It was intellectual at times. One of my favorites. I hope you enjoyed it too. Again, folks, thank you for tuning in. If you wish to follow my adventures, I am at man underscore overseas on Instagram, which is where I spend probably most of my social media time. And then my Twitter is the same, man underscore overseas. Harry Corsell you can find on Facebook. And he is probably my favorite Facebook follow. Following stand-up comedians can add a little bit to your day, <laughs> a little joy to your day. So I encourage you to follow him. Thank you, folks.